Hey everybody, this is Rafe Telsch with a special Have Not Seen This Edition, Oscar Roundup 2021. Now, for those who aren't aware from my old show, something we did every year is we gathered together and we discussed the Oscars. We gave uh, our predictions on the awards, we talked about the movies that were nominated, and had a really fun time doing it. And it's something that I've wanted to redo since I started this podcast, but since I run this show solo, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. So I have gathered together a wonderful panel of guests who are joining me this year to discuss the Oscar nominees for this year. So joining me... Uh, first up, from the wonderful podcast Double Edged Double Bill, uh, two-time repeat guest on my podcast, Thomas Mariani. Hey, Thomas. Hello, Rafe. It's an honor just to be on the panel. <laughs> and also joining us from across the uh, ocean, the host of the Why This Film podcast, also a two-time recurring guest on Have Not Seen This, uh, Emily Slade. Hey, Emily. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled to have this. And finally, uh, not a previous guest on the podcast, but he will be eventually. Uh, we have a YouTuber from the Tangent 1985 channel, uh, Mel Gore. Hey, Mel. Hello. I'm just here to avoid being fined. <laughs> so we are gathered together to discuss this year's nominees we're going to have a couple of conversations about the the nominations as a whole before we get into some of the bigger topics uh i appreciate you all wearing your tuxedos and fine gowns mel you really didn't have to put on a gown for this uh but i appreciate it it's so flattering though isn't it it it, it really shows off your assets that's what that's what i'll say <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into the awards, uh, let's talk a little bit about the nominees as a whole. And I, I think we can agree that 2020 was a rough year. Well, it was a rough year, but it also impacted the film industry. Early on in the year, everybody was making the joke that Sonic the Hedgehog was going to be nominated for all sorts of Oscars because it was one of the only movies to come out in the theater before the pandemic shut everything down. Um, so... I guess my question is, how do you feel 2020 impacted the scope of movies that were able to be seen or receive nominations? And Thomas, we'll start with you. Um, well, I would say the biggest positive, honestly, of the sort of weird situation of the Oscars this year was really accessibility for the movies. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, just because not be just because a bunch of things were nominated that were streaming on like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. But also we even got a fair amount of movies that were able to be rented on there. I think the only the weird one was with uh, the Best Picture nominees was Juice and the Black Messiah, was on HBO Max, I think got removed just before the nominations were yes. announced, which was weird timing. Um, but otherwise, yeah, most of them were pretty accessible in a way that I think, quite frankly, we need more of, just because usually when the nominees come out, it's a bunch of movies most people are like, I have no idea what this is about or what even the hell this is. And I think this year, at least, I gained a lot more accessibility for people in a way that I think is something going forward, even after everything is hopefully secure, knock on wood, uh, for, for next year, um, <laughs> that we at least have that kind of accessibility as a possibility for a lot of people out there to see. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Emily? Yeah, completely agreed the same. Like, I think the only differences would have been that, like, oh, the James Bond movie and the Black Widow movie might have been up for like editing or something and they're not because we didn't see them but i'm usually like hmm what what's an oscar movie what did the okay with the okay uh it, it was it in cinemas no okay uh so the fact that i was able to quite easily find most of them somehow um and for free as well which 
then made me mad when it was like, oh yeah, you can watch this, but it's going to be thirteen ninety nine, and I'm like, is it going to be good though? Like thirteen ninety nine, I thought was wonderful, and it, it was really fun experience as well. Like having the hype build up because the, are they delayed? Because I know the Baftas were two months delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're delayed this year, so having that hype and that build up and knowing that. In England, especially knowing that certain movies had already come out and then waiting for them to come over here. So I won't have seen some of them because we still can't access them. But, you know, Promising Young Woman came out yesterday and I was like prepped, (laughs) had it downloaded in the morning, paid for. And like that was so exciting to be able to just come home and like have that as an event rather than being like it's not showing in any cinemas, which is what usually happens for Oscar movies here. Right, right, Mel. Um, man, I I, ha- I have to side with with Emily on this one. Uh, the accessibility uh, that was really kind of amazing to me, and it's it's really pushed me over the line. Like I swore two years ago that I would not have more than say Netflix and possibly Disney Plus <laughs> whenever the Marvel show started to come out. But I'm I'm like neck deep in all of this now. It's like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and HBO Max and Fandango now. Uh, and I'm just there. I. I probably spent $200 alone just trying to watch everything that's nominated uh, this year. Um, I even had to rent News of the World twice uh, because I, I got it from Fandango Now and the app crashed. So then I had to go on Google Play and download and, and, and get it again. Uh, and I had to get a refund from Fandango. It's It's been, I've been all across the planet trying to watch all, all of this, but it's, it's super cool. It's super cool that it's all out there. Uh, and I don't have to, you know, contend with, I mean, I love going to the movie theater, but I don't have to contend with, with normal movie going people who are the worst. (laughs) Yeah. I, that, that was actually going to be my answer as well was the accessibility factor, uh, of this year has been just unparalleled. The fact that everything was available on one of the streaming services. And, and I'm like you, Mel, in, in that I originally said I was only going to do one or two. And and now I have just about every streaming service you can have. But yet it's still less than it was costing me in cable to have a bunch of channels that I never paid attention to. Um, and and uh, Thomas, I completely agree with you th- in, in hopes that this will become kind of the norm that... Um, the Oscar caliber movies will be accessible, will be something we all can see as opposed to having to wait until after the Oscars are over with and go, Oh, that one won some awards. Let me check that out. Um, I I think the, the thing that best visualizes my movie going experience for this year's Oscars is normally when the Oscar nominations are announced, the only movies I have really seen are the ones nominated for visual effects. And here we are a week before the Oscars, and that's the category I haven't seen anything in still. Like, I still have not seen any of the movies nominated for visual effects, but yet I've seen everything for Best Picture and, and Actor and Actress, and I mean, it's, it's, it's such a different world than what we were in pre-COVID. All right, so my second question is, this year's nominees have been lauded for being the most diverse. Uh, you remember a couple of years ago, we had the hashtag Oscars so white when uh, there were absolutely no people of color nominated. And yet Chris Rock was the host that year, which was a little awkward. Um, but this year we have uh, two women nominated for best director. We have more than a few uh, black and Asian actors receiving nominations. My question, and I guess I'm making this kind of a controversial question, but do you feel like the Academy is catering to this with trying to 
push off a more woke mindset? Or do you honestly believe these were the artists deserving of their nominations? And Emily, we'll start with you. So I found this question to be a little bit leading, as it implies that to be against the norm, aka the white male movies, instantly makes your presence here suspicious and your worth questioned. To answer it very simply, yes, they are all truly deserving to be here. They're all fine films that people have worked really hard on and the stories are interesting and a lot of them are really important. Do I think they're catering to a more woke mindset? Who really cares? If it's purposeful, good. If it's not, even better. I personally found myself to be much less critical of movies that I would have been snippy at um, and saying things about in previous years. For example, if The Trial of the Chicago 7 had been there without Nomadland and Promising Young Woman and Minari, then I'd have been like, oh, there's going to be no women in The Trial of the Chicago 7, is there? There's not going to be any women in that movie, and that's boring. <laughs> Why would I want to watch it? Um... <laughs> But I went into it and was like, there's probably not going to be any women in this. And you know what? That's totally fine. And like, I was really able to then completely dive into that movie. And I had a really wonderful time. And actually, that movie gave us a really shitty fictional woman character that I was then like, no, get her out of here. She sucks. <laughs> like, this is really insulting and reductive. Um and it's good to keep in mind as well that the Academy itself has grown enormously and expanded with a variety of categories. So we are getting much more diverse nominations because the people voting are no longer, what was it, 92% white and 72% male, which they were in 2016. Oh, Those wow. Fact. Yeah. Wow, she brings the facts. Mel, your thoughts? Uh, that's absolutely right. I, I'm in complete agreement with that. It's that the Academy is finally, slowly but surely, uh, starting to more accurately reflect the American movie going demographics. Uh, so yes, you are now getting to see more stories uh, from uh, uh, directors, uh, writers uh, of color, um, uh, more, uh, you know, more diversity uh, in those areas. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's fantastic, uh, which is, I mean, not to say obviously like movies haven't been great all along, but there are just some stories that we haven't heard yet. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's it's great that we're finally getting to. Uh, I don't like, I don't like the term woke. Uh, I, <laughs> um, I, I don't like when people use that uh, simply because uh, it it's, I, I, th I think it is a little reductive. Uh, it's, it's just, these stories have, they've always been there. Uh, it's just now, now we're, we're just finally getting to hear them. So well, apologies for using the woke term then. That's not <laughs> what I intended. Thomas. Um, yeah, I completely agree with what's been said here. Um, obviously, and to be fair, I don't have as much of uh, <laughs> like a stake in that in terms of just like as the like one of the straight white males on here. It, it's just like, no, I'm, I completely agree with what's been said. And I think it's especially true for like with all these other great nominees that have come out. I think it's made the other ones that have had sort of like the more traditional perspective. It's given us at least more interesting versions of that. Like The Father was a movie where I saw it on the schedule and I'm like, oh, it's going to be a typical Oscar movie, dementia, all this other stuff. Oh, no, it's a much more interesting version of the story. That's just like from a more horrific, quite frankly, perspective, just like, mm -hmm. oh, this is one of the more creative depictions of dementia I've ever seen. So I think it just allows for like other people to step up their game who have had more of an opportunity um, in the previous years because they have so many great other newer voices that have come out here with like Chloe Zhao 
or um, you know a bunch of the people behind like uh, Juice the Black Messiah and stuff like that. I think we've had a lot more interesting voices that allows for more different things. Even though obviously you know some of the typical nominees like a Trial of Chicago Seven, even like a Hillbilly Elegy that I was fearing like this is gonna like sweep. I'm gonna be really pissed off. And it's like no, it's just like a couple of like dumb nominations that I don't agree with. So I think it's made for at least like a more interesting, diverse group of stories where if nothing else like if you're complaining about like the woke thing it's like just look at even from this perspective of, like even if people are getting this these opportunities on a purely selfish level it makes for more interesting stories i think it gets you more interesting fun movies that are like worth watching and worth exploring as opposed to just like the typical oscar baby crap and I'm, yeah i'm for it i i actually um i you know there there are people I know there are people who feel like, oh, we got the the token black movie in, we got the token female director in, and type stuff. I, I kind of feel like we went the other direction this year. Um, there's at least one, what I feel like, token white movie that it feels like this was made as Oscar bait. It's not as interesting a movie as a lot of the other contenders, and I would have loved to have seen it not get nominated and not get attention and get something like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom in there as Best Picture or... Um, uh, one night in Miami in there as best picture, you know, uh, I think it was, um, the, the, what is the trailer, the coming soon, the, the guy who does the, the fo- fake trailers, not the fake trailers, but the mock trailers. Um, and he made a comment about, you do know you can nominate more than one black artist. Right. And I kind of agree with that, where it's almost like we got the token white movie thrown in that didn't really deserve it, especially among the other contenders that we got. All right. Third question. We all know the filmmaking process is long. It takes several years to get a movie made, but it feels like so many of the movies that we're talking about today uh, are direct reflections of current events. They feature themes like isolationism or racial injustice or many of the things that we saw making the headlines in 2020. Do you think if 2020 had played out differently, we'd be talking about a different set of films as Oscar contenders? And do you feel like the fact that those topics are in the spotlight right now could affect the longevity of these films uh, as far as like whether or not they fade from our cultural consciousness. And Mel, we'll start with you. The thing that I always compare it to uh, is it's email. Whenever you, whenever you read an email, uh, there's no real emotional context there. You kind of bring whatever your own personal baggage, uh, like whatever you might have going on that day, you bring it to the reading of the email, which allows you to interpret that email, not always accurately, not always the way it was intended. That's that's how I feel about, uh, about films, like about this year's crop of films, uh, about each year's crop of films. They are always a reflection of the time period they're in. Uh, but at the same time, you don't have to necessarily be from that time period. You can apply your feelings on like war to apocalypse now, today. Like right. it's still an accurate, horrific depiction of war. Uh, and and it, it, so many movies allow you to do that. Like Black Panther, when that came out there, there, there was a very kind of overt dig uh, at Donald Trump uh, at the end uh, about um, <laughs> uh, uh, like uh, leaders building bridges, but uh, fools building walls. But at the same time, there've always been those guys throughout history. Like Black Panther could have come out 30 years ago, and there was a guy in that role who who had an isolationist stance, uh, I'm, I'm sure, politically speaking. I think you can always just kind of find a way to, to see the time period you're in, even if the film you're watching isn't from that time period. Uh, I think it's just because those, those things, sadly, haven't gone away. 
uh, just like it's a human nature, I suppose. Uh, uh, isolationist rhetoric, fascism, um, you know, uh, injustice, uh, political, uh, you know, social, economic, these things haven't gone away. Uh, they're evergreen. So, I mean, you're, you're, I, I, I hope this isn't the case, but it feels like you're always going to be able to tell these kinds of stories and they're always going to be fresh. Yeah. That's, that's a sad truth. I, you know, I, I became very aware of like film dating a film and led longevity when I was studying screenwriting and like that line that you brought up from black Panther, the great thing about them not name dropping Trump in that is that line itself just makes it a gem of wisdom that will last long past Donald Trump being out of office. You know, it's, it's just a great line. And what I, I think I became oversensitive to references that date films when I was studying it, because like when the social network came out, I did not think it deserved the Oscar attention that it got because Facebook wasn't going to be around forever. And once Facebook is gone, what's the relevance of that film? And here we are a, a decade later and that movie is still relevant. You know, I mean, Facebook is still around, but now I can look at it away from Facebook being this fresh new thing that everybody's into and go, oh no, that actually was a story worth telling. That's actually really good. So I, I think I'm oversensitive to dating films. I'm not always the best judge of that, but I I agree. I think the, the themes that these movies hit upon, they might be resonating with us more this year because of the moment we're in. But unfortunately, things like isolationism and racial injustice probably not going away anytime soon and therefore uh will will still need to be addressed in stories like this in my opinion uh, thomas well yeah i agree with what's been said previously but also i think it's so interesting as somebody who just likes looking back at oscar history to look at certain best picture or either or any other nominee winners kind of things from previous years and just see these markers of like okay here is a certain progression and then here are points where we've gone back. Like, look at just last year, I think, has the best example of that. Like, the last couple years of Best Picture winners, where you go from, like, uh, Green Book winning, <laughs> which was a clear indicator of, like, oh, we thought we were past, like, the Dragon Miss Daisy phase of, like, these narratives that are completely out of date. No, we're not, unfortunately, especially in a year that had a lot of great um, black um, films dominated and a lot of great uh, different sort of movies uh we end up with the completely milk toast oscar thing and then by the next year parasite wins which is a massive boom that everyone is so appreciative of that it's just like oh my god this is such a massive hit uh in a massive milestone for the oscars but also we can learn that like okay that was a great milestone here but we can progress forward and i think this year has shown that like we've had a lot more interesting progressive things that might not last you know forever and ever but it's a great sort of picture of this particular year in film, I would argue. All right, Emily. Yeah, I mean, never forget that the Oscars and the film industry are here to make money. And so every choice they make will have, will be driven by that in some way or another. I was also looking back at the history of the Oscars in regards to the longevity question. And as, as Mel said, these themes, themes are never going to go away. And so these movies can be forgettable and that's not a problem because they're a moment in time like i don't think anyone really raves about philadelphia anymore but that's like fair. it was huge and it was really important for the lgbtq plus community and it sparked a lot of conversations and from that lots of other lgbtq plus movies came and paved and they were sympathetic and they they were progressive it wasn't perfect but um you know so it was a big movie at the time and then everybody sort of forgot about it but the themes are still here and it, it laid the groundwork 
for something like the Oscars to highlight this sort of thing and, you know, isolationism and stuff. You see that in everything. I watched The Secret Garden 1993 the other day and they were all wearing, like, masks. And I was like, I do that. (laughs) And you can find that in, like, all the movies. And I've just got a quote here from Aaron Sorkin, who wrote and directed The Trial of the Chicago 7, and he said, in regards to the film's timely subject matter in 2020, he described the film as being more about modern day than the 1960s, and he explained that the script didn't change to mirror the times, the times changed to mirror the script. Mm. Okay, that's that's a good point. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to get into the nominations here in just a second, but we're going to hit the the bigger categories um, you know, rather than go through every single category, but I want to give you a chance to talk about what we're not going to talk about. So in more of the technical categories that we aren't spending time on, do you have comments, predictions, or anything on any of those topics? And this includes, you know, music and visual effects and costume and sound and that kind of thing. Um, so what do you want to talk about, about the categories that we're not talking about? Thomas. Um, yeah, just a few spare thoughts. This is more just, like, things I would hope that win, honestly, more than, like, actual fallen predictions. Sure. Um, but I would say, for me, one, um, The Father is a movie we're probably not going to see win a lot of Oscars, but I think it's deserving of especially production design, because that movie has a particularly interesting thing where so many times you look around this apartment that you're set in most of the movie, and there are subtle changes that emphasize more of what that sort of perspective of Anthony Hopkins in the middle of dementia uh, like actually goes through and I think that's a great example of like really subtle production design um, Emma probably for best costumes I guess more for just most costumes quite frankly <laughs> just because it's <laughs> everywhere in that movie um, and then if you're not going to nominate Delroy Lindo you cowards at the Oscars uh, give Terrence Blanchard the best score Oscar great uh, score for that movie and also so many different like great Spike Lee movies he deserves a win um, I didn't see most of the documentaries but I would definitely recommend the one I at least saw Time which is on Amazon Prime, and is a phenomenal movie. If you don't know about um, this woman who her husband went to jail like in the early, in the uh, late nineties, and she's be- become like a big uh, proponent against uh, sort of like a black incarceration and uh, how the prison system screws over black men and all this time, and it's edited together with modern footage and also a bunch of great like home videos she did at the time that is like so beautifully done. I would fully recommend. I hope that one. If anything else gets uh, a bit more clout and people see it on Prime. And then the the last uh, big one I have is just for um, the song. I want the Hosevic My Hometown song from Eurovision to win. If nothing else, because that really turned me on the movie in a positive way. Where it's a two-hour Will Ferrell comedy. I think there's a lot of hidden missed stuff in that movie, even though Rachel McAdams and Dan Stevens are great. But I was just like so in the middle about it throughout most of it. And then that song was just like, nah, God, nah it's a good movie, goddammit. They did it. They managed to convince me. 10 out of 10. So yeah, those are the ones I hope get some love. Okay. Emily. Yeah, the Eurovision Song Contest movie is incredible. It's so good. And uh, yeah, that song should definitely win Best Song. I'm so happy that it was nominated. Um, It's wonderful. I don't really have much to say about things that really exist. I just want to say that I think Promising Young Woman should have got a nomination for costume, um, purely based on the fact that I'm now looking into investing into most of what Carrie Mulligan wore on screen. (laughs) And um, I also thought that the soundtrack absolutely slapped and it's going down as one of the greatest soundtracks in the history of cinema. So there's that. Awesome. All right, Mel. First of all, uh, effects, Uh, visual, uh, visual effects. I've got to give a shout out to uh, Midnight Sky 
Uh, I do not know if uh, if they saw Cowboy Bebop uh, back, uh, you know, or you know, either when it first came out or if they're just watching it uh, at home on Blu-ray. Uh, but Cowboy Bebop was set in the future in space. Uh, and that show featured all these great, like, designs for for like planets in our solar system, like what the sky would look like from the surface of Jupiter or from the surface of Ganymede or, or Venus. Uh, and there are moments in Midnight Sky that are so evocative uh, of Cowboy Bebop. And I just, it took me back to my love of that show. So I really hope, that movie's not great, Midnight Sky, sadly, uh, but I really <laughs> hope it, it gets some love for, uh, for the effects uh, there. There's some gorgeous stuff in there. I will also say that uh, if Sound of Metal does not win for sound, <laughs> it's it's like that year the Red Violin was nominated for Best Score, and we were all like, yeah, it's going to Red Violin. I mean, it's in the title. Uh, so, yeah, that that was that was really very cool. It's the kind of thing you never you don't really consider, uh, like like in particular the way that the cochlear ear implant like digitizes processes sound uh I, I thought that that was all very very fascinating um uh, and it kind of worked in an audio way that the same way that the father worked in like letting you experience uh alzheimer's kind of firsthand uh so it really changes your perspective uh and the other thing <laughs> this is <laughs> this is about tenet um i don't think tenet really deserves a whole lot uh, but, I, but I do kind of in their in their desire to be more relevant, I would love for the Oscars to to grab hold of a little bit of what MTV used to do with their movie awards. I don't know, they may still do it. I haven't seen an MTV movie awards in 20 years, uh, but they would have these great categories like best fight scene. Can we have a best fight choreography category at the Academy Awards? I mean, come on. Let's, there's there's been arguments for years that there should be awards given to like stunts and such. So that's that's mm -hmm. that doesn't surprise me. Absolutely. If if John Wick hasn't proven that by now, then uh, <laughs> what will? But yeah, yeah. The the fight going forward, going back. Uh, yeah, there's one guy moving forward through time, one guy moving backward through time. Uh, that's an incredibly difficult thing to stage. Uh, and it was it was very cool. And someone should be singing its praises. Gotcha. Yeah, I knew I was last on this one, and I was just counting through you guys, hoping I would get to make my point about Sound of Metal deserving the Sound Award, and you stole my thunder there, Mel, but I, I totally agree. Like, I, I don't understand how there's any other nominees. I mean, of course, obviously, there has to be nominees, but I don't understand how it doesn't automatically win it. Like, it's the sound design on that film is so strong and so important. I, I, I think you, you hit it head on um i have not seen eurovision song contest one of the nominees i haven't gotten to see yet i'm really glad to hear the way you two are talking about the song for that though because my big disappointment with the other nominees is they're all end credit songs like they're not inherent mm -hmm. to the film they're something that's thrown in at the end and i would i would rather see something like running with the wolves from wolfwalker nominated because it was uh germane to the film as opposed to uh, tacked on on the end credits. So I've always been dis I was disappointed with a lot of this year's nominees for best song. It sounds like the one best nominee is the one that I haven't watched yet. Um, I do also want to point out Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross nominated twice for score, which is like when they first when they did their first score, it was like really the guy from Nine Inch Nails, and it, they. It, I'm not a huge fan of Mank, which we'll get into. 
But they nailed it on the score for that movie, and the fact that they got nominated for that and Soul is just shows in one nomination category the diversity of what they can bring. So I thought that was really impressive as well. Though, though also just brief credit to also John Baptiste. Well, yes, of course, well. yes, of course, of course, yes. Yeah. All right, well, that brings us to our discussion of the actual nominees. So we're going to get into And the Oscar Goes To. We've picked uh, kind of the big categories, as I said, to discuss. Um, so we'll go around. You can give any thoughts you want to give on the nominations, on the nominees, uh, and then also predict your what you, or, or not predict, but give who you feel should win. Now, if you want to do a I, who will win, who I think should win type thing, that's absolutely fine. To, for, however, you want to handle it. And we're going to start with animated feature film. Uh, the nominees for Best Animated Feature Film are Onward, Over the Moon, A Shaun the Sheep Movie Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. And Emily, we're starting with you. So all of these movies made me cry to some extent <laughs> or another. I loved them all, and I really hate that animated feature film is always here like this because it's not a genre. It's 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 a medium of film it's not you can't put mm -hmm. them together like that it's not fair and i know they have their own awards and there's lots of them out there but it just always pisses me off and i'm like nye, 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 nye. um <laughs> and it always goes to like the disney one or whatever when that often there's a lot more better ones out there so for example this year i predict it's going to go to soul i um really liked soul i think i went in with too much hype and i was a little bit sort of like oh that was fine um instead of being like blown away similar thing happened with onward where i was like it's no ratatouille but okay um a sean the sheep movie farmageddon i went in with no expectations and it was bloody brilliant it was so really? good it was so good it's exactly what you expect it to be it's aardman so they are so funny and clever and it's just fucking sci-fi references the whole time um and then over the moon is gorgeous again i had no idea what it was about and it's utterly beautiful it manages to mix sort of modern contemporary animation for kids with the sort of early 90s renaissance disney um plus it's all about chinese culture and myth and legend and it's just beautiful and it's it's a musical and the songs were great um but obviously the best thing on this list is wolf walkers like without a doubt it's cartoon saloon and they are mm. the best and wolf walkers again i didn't really know what it was about i was just like oh they've got a new film out uh, i will be watching it and it will be wonderful and then i was like 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 <laughs> <laughs> like i have never seen female friendship in a movie let alone a kids animated movie like this before i had no idea that the main two characters were both female i thought it was so wonderful it was so important to me i like when i realized that they were both women i like gasped out loud and i was instantly just swept up in it and i would love 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 for it to win i mean Everything else is obviously perfect in this movie. The storytelling, the narrative, the voice acting, the animation itself, the designs, the, like, the, the, the legend and the myth behind it. But like the female friendship aspect of it was just heart-stopping for me. It was so important to me. Yeah. Mel. 
Um, I'm going to embarrass myself <laughs> because <laughs> this is the category I'm, despite the fact that I come from an animation background, this is the category where I saw the least number of films. Uh, I don't even know how that happened, but it did. Uh, I, I I did not get to see Wolfwalkers. Uh, I, still, I know, I know, shame me. <laughs> All of you, pour your shame onto me. Um, so yeah, I, so I can't say uh, uh, about that one, uh, nor uh, can I really speak about uh, Sean the Sheep movie. Um, but uh, I saw Onward uh, forever ago. Uh, I saw Soul uh, and Emily's right. It, nine t- times out of 10, it goes to the Disney film. Uh, the Pixar film, uh, and not because they aren't good, but just because they're they're just kind of the ones that are always at the forefront uh, as far as the lobbying goes. Um, so yeah, I I liked Soul quite a bit. Uh, it was it was no Inside Out, uh, but uh, but I, I I did enjoy it thoroughly, uh, and I I thought that it it ended on on a note that I wasn't quite anticipating uh, the this idea that. Uh, the the thing you think you always wanted uh isn't necessarily the the thing you need uh, uh it's not necessarily the thing that fills you up uh which uh which i thought was was very cool because i because i was that guy like uh, for the long i mean I'm, I'm still that guy for the longest time i'm just like if i could just get a a cartoon on the air where i'm the showrunner then everything uh everything will be perfect in my life but but yeah on on my road to that I think it's it's very likely I'm gonna I'm gonna have a, a very soul like moment uh, when I when I reach that stage, uh, so so I I'm leaning on that one. Yes, it's the Pixar film, but uh, but also because it, it resonates with me uh, personally more so than Onward. You need slightly different glasses to be that guy, though. Just, <laughs> let's just let's yeah. just be fair. Um, yeah, I mean, Onward was the last film I saw in theaters uh, pre pandemic. Um, I, I don't think it deserves the nomination. I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. I don't think it deserves to be here. Um, and Soul, I absolutely fell in love with. I mean, I'm I'm a teacher, so it kind of kind of like Mel, it has that uh that resonance with me that there's something that connects. And I I've said that about Pixar films pretty much their entire existence, is they managed to come up with these stories that really connect with cultural consciousness. You know, do do our toys come alive when we're not in the room? Or, you know, those those kinds of questions, the monster under the bed. Um, and I feel like with Soul, they finally evolved beyond that with having um something that still connects to us culturally, but also is existential in its questioning and in its story and stuff. And I really liked Soul. And then I saw Wolfwalkers. <laughs> and I mean, I, Emily makes the comment, they made her cry. Uh, that That's not an accomplishment for me. Everything makes me cry. But Wolfwalkers is beautiful and and definitely made me cry. And I, I, I just, I thought everything about it was so brilliant. So Wolfwalkers is definitely my pick. Won't be surprised if, if soul takes it, uh, won't be terribly disappointed if soul takes it because I think it's a good movie, but I, I definitely think Wolfwalkers is the pick here. Thomas. Well, yeah, I'll just be a remix of everyone else's comments where, <laughs> I mean, I, I completely agree about, I think Wolfwalkers is the one that's more deserving. I think of all of these, I think it's a really solid, uh, crop of movies here for animated feature when sometimes it isn't the case uh but uh wolfwalkers yeah it's it's the best uh, sisterly werewolf movie since ginger snaps quite <laughs> frankly uh, 
and uh, no, I, I really loved it. And it really make, makes me miss hand-drawn animation so much, yeah. especially with just like the rougher pencil sketches at certain points. I'm just like, oh yeah, this is like the best version of the cheaper Disney days. And I say that as a huge compliment. Like this is, oh, the like Robin Hood era, but like a hundred times like better animation. Uh, but at the same time, I do think Soul is going to win. That's not a slight against Soul. I think of the very mixed bag of a decade Pixar has had the last decade, it's one of the better offerings, mm-hmm. I would argue. Um, and I would totally be for it still winning. I think it's a deserving uh, amongst the nominees for sure. But uh, yeah, Wolf Walkers for sure. Wolf Walkers, like I was only able to watch just because we mentioned the accessibility thing, but Apple TV Plus is definitely the one that I'm sure most people don't have. Um, and I think it's like the combination. <laughs> right, I, trial, I only have baby. It. Well, yeah, I only have it because I got like a new laptop in the last year, so I got it for a year anyway. That's exactly and... why I have it. I got my son a phone. <laughs> right, but the, the the combo of this and Ted Lasso is just like, okay, I'm probably going to keep this because I, I want I want to see I want to see season two of Ted Lasso and also more great projects like uh, Wolfwalkers. I I have to recommend Mythic Quest as well if you have not. I've watched heard good that. things. It's yeah. so good. Uh, I, I also want to echo uh, uh, or or chime in, Emily. You made the comment about Sean the Sheep being really good and now i'm going to have to watch it i had not seen it yet i kind of disregarded it i mean i love that animation studio but i'm not the biggest fan of the sean the sheep uh uh, franchise but if you're saying it's good then i'm gonna check it out yeah i i only know sean the sheep from a close shave i've never seen his sort of like grown-up spin-offs um where he's become a character in his own right but they it's silent throughout it um nobody speaks which i always think is really fun to play with because it forces the storytelling to be a bit more detailed and just the amount of fun like sci-fi references throughout and i i don't know the 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 world of sean the sheep that he lives in but you don't need to because it's all just sort of laid out for you and you're like with you and like it's going to be amazing all of the toys that they're going to be able to sell off the back of this movie like i kind of want some of them all of them all right that's going to bring us to the writing categories now i i did say we're not focusing on the technical categories but i've always included the writing categories because the the script is the foundation of the movie if you don't have a good script you don't have a good film and i feel like too often the actors get credited for what their characters say and there's always the question that comes up of oh how much did you improvise and that kind of stuff and that that detracts from the writers so with my podcast, I've always tried to make a focus of these are the writers. These are they're they're deserving as well. So we are going to look at the writing. Uh, first up is adapted screenplay. The nominees for adapted screenplay is Borat subsequent movie film uh, screenplay by Sasha Baron Cohen and then a lot of other people whose names I don't <laughs> want to massacre. Uh, the Father by Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller. Nomadland by Chloe Zhao. One Night in Miami by Kemp Powers and The White Tiger by Raman Baurani. Mel, we're starting with you this time. Um, man, uh, I love this category. Uh, it's it's both both the writing categories, original and adapted. Uh, we just watched White Tiger last night, uh, and uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely do. Uh, it's it's like if Slumdog Millionaire and Parasite had a child. Uh, it's uh, it is it is. It's really, it's really very good uh, and and difficult to watch uh, at times. Um, but uh, Nomadland was an interesting one to me. I because there, there's a there's a lot of that like 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 real people uh, mm-hmm. in that, not actors uh, necessarily, uh, like like telling their stories. So like I, that's that gets that gets a lot of praise uh, from me. The the father I thought was really uh, awesome. Uh, there, there's a moment 
in that where you're watching you you think you're at the beginning of that scene uh, and as it plays out it loops mm-hmm. uh and that that blew my mind when that happened uh it's like i i felt like there's there's a joke there's a there's an old stereotype about of the way black people watch uh stand up comedy uh when something is very funny uh they they will stand up and just it's not enough to clap and cheer you have to stand up and like walk around uh, a little <laughs> bit and then come back to your seat and sit down uh like it's that much of a of an experience uh and that's how i felt with that moment from the father uh i just as a writer i stood up and was and was just like i can't do that I don't know how to do that. I'm I'm not a good writer. <laughs> um, uh, but I for for adapted though. I think I think it's gonna probably go to Nomadland. But I want it to go to One Night in Miami. Okay. Uh, because if you're looking for something to just give you just a, a on the spectrum of the black experience. That man, that really like I I was there with every character. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I say character like they weren't real people, uh, but um like 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 I understood exactly where everyone was coming from, uh, to the point where I was just like, oh, oh, he's right. No, he's right. Oh, they're all right. Oh, you're uh you're you're wrong. You're but I understand why you're wrong. It's uh yeah, that it's that. That was so powerhouse uh, for me. It's just uh, each one of them getting to tell their stories, their perspectives. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I I want screenplay. I want screenplay to go to One Night in Miami so badly. Yeah, I, um, I One Night in Miami really impacted me. I mean, it was a very strong story. And as I mean, I mentioned a little while ago, why didn't it get a Best Picture nomination too? Above something that I think was was not uh, as as good, I guess. Um, I have not seen the white tiger yet. My dad highly recommended it to me a couple of weeks ago and it just trying to get all the other movies that had more nominations attached to them. Uh, I haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, I didn't like nomad land. I, I just didn't. And, uh, so I, and I, I, I get what they were trying to do. Uh, Honest trailers was the thing I was trying to talk about earlier. And their, their comment was that it was a documentary with an actor thrown in. So people would actually watch it. And I kind of agree with that, but then as a narrative story, I just, I didn't like it. So for me, it it really is between one night in Miami and the father. And I think for me, one night in Miami edges out the father for it because the dialogue between these characters, and I, I will say characters, because as you said, they're real people, but nobody knows what happened in this evening. This is a fictionalized idealization of what might've happened that evening. Um, but the dialogue between the characters wonderfully delivered by the actors, the dialogue is so strong and just pops and, and bounces back and forth. So beautifully. I, I have to agree with uh, one night in Miami taking the award. Thomas. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, both the writing categories are mostly pretty strong. There's only one nominee I have issue with, and it's in the next category. But for Adapted <laughs> especially, yeah, I, I think um, they do it, – it's an impre- it's a pretty impressive crop. I did really like Nomadland. I do agree. I think it's going to probably win, um, if nothing else, for just the fact that they turned a nonfiction book into this movie. And I would argue I think it does a pretty good job of tracking Francis McDormand's character's journey in a way that I, like, really was – 
consumed by. But at the same time, I do agree. I think One Night Miami deserves, if nothing else, for, like, all respect Regina King. I love Regina King. But I think you can tell it's her first feature, which I think is the biggest problem with, like, it necessarily getting more nominations. I think the screenplay by Kemp Powers is a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And I think I agree. It does such a phenomenal job with, like, there's so much great, rich dialogue that feels, obviously, it's adapted from his play. But I think they do such a phenomenal job of, like, putting that stuff on the screen. And nothing else, it really humanizes these people that you only know as, like, great cultural figures. So you get, like, Muhammad Ali is really pissed off about vanilla ice cream being the only option. You're like, yeah, yeah. That, that, you really humanize it. Like, yes, Muhammad Ali. I agree there should be more than vanilla ice cream. Um, but but also, I, I, I agree. I think that one is at least the, the strongest one to me. Um, but I think it'll probably go to No Man Land. All right, Emily. Um, I would like to mention Borat because nobody else has. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked this Borat movie. I really hated it. I didn't hate it. I just had nothing for the first Borat movie. And I watched this second one and I really had a lot of time for it. No, it does not deserve the Oscar, but I, I'm really happy that it was nominated. And perhaps it's, it's one of those that's a reflection of the time uh, more than like it necessarily deserves to be here. But I'm really happy that it was taken so seriously. Um, So good for it. The Father and One Night in Miami are adapted from plays, which I always think is a bit of a cheat when you're talking about adapted screenplay because the dialogue's already written beautifully in really neat ways that work as scenes. Um, And you just have to transfer it to screen. Saying that, I have not been able to see The Father, which I'm bummed about. Um, I watched One Night in Miami last night and... Ever since The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is one of the greatest movies ever made, I've loved this idea of bringing lots of different characters from different places together. And that's what they do. And I just found it so wonderful to watch these great, cool, interesting characters played by these brilliant actors. Um, Love Leslie Odom Jr. so much. Um, and knowing that they were safe, like knowing that they weren't, I wasn't going to have to watch them be assassinated and I wasn't going to have to watch them suffer. I could just watch them have a good night together, having chats about ice cream. And that was so wonderful. And I loved, I was Googling it and I was like, Regina King, Derek, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So super happy about that. I, I agree, though. It just, it's like, I really hope that she continues directing stuff, and I really can't wait to see her journey because I fucking love her. Um, I am so disappointed with myself about Nomadland because it's a female lead with a female director, and I was on BuzzFeed the whole time it was on because I was, like, kind of bored. And, like, I hated that yep. about it because I was, like, mm, be good. Because I was, like, hey, it's Frances McDormand. It's an Oscar movie. It's going to be, like, it's good. It's going to be, like, fucking three billboards or whatever. And then it wasn't. And then I was, like, all these people really exist in real life. It would be, like, if when Reese Witherspoon did Wild by Cheryl Strayed, she'd found all of her old trail mates and got them in for the movie instead of casting actors, and it would have been just a bit, like, weird. Or even having Cheryl Strayed play her own character doing her own book rather than casting Reese Witherspoon in it. It's just, it's really bizarre, and that's kind of what they've done here. And I think it will win because it's been sweeping up and I think it is beautifully directed and I think Frances McDormand is really good, obviously, because it's Frances McDormand. But 
as on a personal level, I found it quite boring, which maybe makes me a bad movie person. I don't know. <laughs> and I haven't seen The White Tiger. <laughs> I found it boring as well. Can we all take a moment to appreciate our one British member of the panel has not seen The Father? <laughs> it's not out in this country. And it's like... <laughs> It's like the creme de la creme of British actors. It's like every they were all in the National Theatre productions together. And now they're in this adaptation of a French play together being all British. And I'm like, it's out in <laughs> July here. So I'll have to wait. It's so British Mark Gaddis shows up in it. It's supremely British. <laughs> it is. And and I thought Emily, I thought of you the moment he did show up because you and I have discussed him before. So, all right, let's turn our attention to original screenplay. Uh, the nominees here are Judas and the Black Messiah, screenplay by Will Pearson, Shaka King, uh, Minari uh, by Lee Isaac Chung, Promising Young Woman by Emerald Fennell, uh, Sound of Metal, screenplay by Darius Martyr, Abraham Martyr, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven by Aaron Sorkin. I, I feel, I mean, I, I loved all of these movies, although Minari almost took me into that checking my phone area territory. I mean, it's it, what, what, because it is a subtitled film, it forced my attention on it, but the story did kind of lose me in a couple of places. And yet at the same time, I walked away from it with just wonderful thoughts about it. Um, I, I think this is a great great crop of nominees i'm very curious to hear here in a second which one thomas has an issue with i have my suspicion but i don't think uh promising young woman or sound of metal are going to get much attention elsewhere as much as they might be i know emily as much as they might be deserving of it so it's almost contradictory to what i said before because like the the typical aaron sorkin dialogue in trial of chicago 7 uh it, it snaps it pops it sings but we've also seen Sorkin do this so many times that it's starting to get a little old hat. And I felt like I, I didn't see the novelty of it as much in the trial of the Chicago seven. So I'm going to go and, and and I do have issues with promising young woman as much as I do enjoy the performances in it. I think, I think the script is a little problematic, especially, <laughs> especially in the conclusion of the film. So I'm going to go with, Sound of Metal, just because I don't think it's going to get much attention elsewhere. Uh, I think it was a wonderfully told story. I really enjoyed that journey uh, of the main character. And and so I think that's going to end up kind of getting an award here in, in lieu. Hopefully it still gets the sound award, but in lieu of, of anything else. Thomas. Uh, well, the, the mystery reveal of which nominee I had issue with, I think, is Trial of the Chicago 7, 100%. I think it's it's so Sorkin on autopilot to me, because I like a good Aaron Sorkin script, but I think you can tell by him also directing the movie, his weakest cinematic efforts have been the ones he's directed as well. Uh -huh. I mean, you can tell he's not nearly as strong when he's like completely at the helm as opposed to giving a really talented director his script to work with. Um, because it's it's a lot of just like yeah it's I, I get it it's it's you dude you know this is sorkening all over I I, uh, I get it I'm kind of tired of it um, but but at the same time I think besides that I think all these nominees are at least pretty fascinating my favorite of them is personally Minari I would say I think because it's such an intimate story that has so many details mm -hmm. that I particularly thought were like so immersive like the the whole thing about Mountain Dew water from the mountain I think it's, oh, like, yeah. it's, it's so great it's so good um but also I just totally believe this family and I have been like it's it's one of those great things where it's an immigrant experience that has very specific details but also it has things that I 100% relate to just on a very human level um and also just also very intimate things like particularly the stuff in the church 
um, a lot of the sort of uh, pe- white people reacting to this Korean family coming in. They feel like, oh, this is something this person 100% experienced, and it is such a bummer that you did. But um, at the same time, I think I agree. I think Promising Young Woman is probably more likely to win these, even though I, I love Promising Young Woman when it came out. It was my favorite movie of the year. I've seen a lot of great back-and-forth discussion about that movie over the course of this Oscar season. Um, I think it's had the most varied reactions that I find fascinating, especially from women who have gone through sexual assaults. I think there have been varying things like, oh, it's really empowering, to I have some issues with it, to even it's just a vile movie. I think it's had such interesting reactions, um, and I think it's probably more likely to win because these screenplay nominees tend to go to, like Rafe mentioned, ones that aren't going to get love in a lot of other categories. Um, but I would hope that uh, either a Minari or even a Sound of Metal would win myself. Uh, but still, I wouldn't be necessarily against Promising a Woman. Though I would argue that is the weakest element of the other things. I think the direction and performances and a lot of other great stuff really accentuates that movie a bit more than the screenplay does. Agreed. Agreed. And now, Emily defends Promising Young Woman for three minutes. <laughs> Um, so I'll work my way down through the list and then come to that one last. Um, I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I think Judas and the Black Messiah was 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 really good. I'm not great with like historical biopics about like people. So as a genre movie in that sense, I wasn't like overly like oh yay oh, oh, wonderful. Um, but it, it's 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 great and I can see why it's here. Um, Minari again. Just so beautiful and like clearly semi autobiographical, and like you could really feel that it was such a delicate, cleverly paced little movie that was just so warm and sweet. And uh, it definitely deserves to be here. Sound of Metal, I didn't have a clue what it was even about, so I was blown away when I watched it. I thought it was an absolutely masterful piece of cinema. And again, really, really great screenplay. That that they're, they're all so good in this category. It's so unfair, mm-hmm. but it's fine because I'll, I'm rampant. Um, and then <laughs> the the trial of the Chicago Seven. I'm actually not familiar with Aaron Sorkin at all. So it was really fun to be sat in this trial and have this funky back and forth banter and this like quick pace editing and like this ensemble cast like I really enjoyed all those aspects of it and I, I love my movies to be like well shit the Instagram generation don't have any patience anymore so we need to like keep their attention by Baz Luhrmann it all the time and the trial of the Chicago 7 really did that for me so I was just like yeah 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 and I loved that they like put their names on the screen so I was like I'm with you I'm with you I know what's going on yes I feel smart so I, I I would be really happy if that one won, even though I hear what you guys are saying and like perhaps it shouldn't for those reasons. Um, but for me, it was really fun because it was new to me. I bought the pastel gel nail varnish so I can do my nails like Cassie from Promising Young Woman. It is the best movie ever <laughs> in the history of the world. <laughs> I thought it was so good. I literally cannot articulate what it meant to me without physically bursting into tears right now because I've never seen anything like it. It was so cleverly wrapped up in this rom-com structure and it was not, you know, I've seen the backlash and the backlash is people being like, 
oh, I wanted Bill to like fall down in the garden and then see a scene of Beatrix crying in the bathroom. And it's like, this isn't that. This is reality. This is what would actually happen. And because it's so true in that respect, in regards to the ending, she couldn't get back up. And I needed her to get back up. But she couldn't because it wouldn't work. It wouldn't be right. So they had to give us the wedding. And I understand if people have problems with that. She couldn't get the financing if they didn't have the wedding scene at the end. So if that's your problem with the movie, it could, it wasn't allowed to be made unless they tagged that on. But mm-hmm. I get it. It's a bit outlandish and it sort of undermines a little bit. But that's really the only flaw I can think about it. And even then, I don't find it a flaw because you have to suspend your disbelief somewhat when watching movies especially ones that are so like vibrant and pastely you know it was tarantino-esque it was like an auteur and she's this is her like directorial debut and the fact that she wrote it as well i mean the title itself is just so important because it comes from the brock turner case where he was a promising young man right um Mm -hmm. and it was such a shame that his swimming career was over because of this this woman and maybe it was unsubtle in what it was saying but no one has ever said it before in a mainstream piece of cinema so it like fuck the people that are like saying that do you know what i mean like because it needed to be said and it was said so great so well i like i really liked it (laughs) (laughs) all right mel (laughs) i i thought i thought sound of metal uh fantastic uh that, that that's another one that was just just in in gut wrenching uh, uh, for for most of its runtime. Um, uh, so yeah, a, a great great choice there. Minari. It did slow down a little for me uh, in in the second act, uh, but but I do appreciate uh, one how kind of original and how intimate uh, that was. It. it it didn't feel like anything else. Uh, right. Uh, so I, so I, I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. And also I didn't know that was a job, just picking up the chicken uh, to, <laughs> to see which one. I assume it would have to be, but I, you know, one never thinks about that. Uh, Promising Young Woman, uh, I loved. Uh, and and well, you kind of had to after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna go out, out his notes like, oh uh, yeah, it was really great, really loved it. Yeah, <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. no, um, no. I, I thought I thought it was fantastic. Uh, the the only and it's interesting because I, I love when I hear about people's kind of gripes about things. Uh, I'm often surprised that my gripes are not the gripes uh, that others tend to have. The only thing about Promising Young Woman that did not sit right with me, and normally I don't complain about things unless I have a solution or an alternative that they could have done instead, and I don't have one for this. So take this with a grain of salt. Uh, but my, I think the only thing I did not like about it was the the police showing up at the end because it i'm just i'm i'm sorry but like i i have i have had i have had no shortage of strong women in my life in my family uh, in my friends uh and i'm just i'm sorry but the police too often are of little to no help uh mm-hmm. in these kinds of scenarios uh, and 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 kind of handing that that victory to them uh, at the end, just it it seemed to run counter 
uh, to to the narrative that had been playing out uh, mm-hmm. that, that whole time. Um, but, but like I said, no one else is allowed to arrest people. So I don't really know what you do <laughs> in that situation. Uh, I just I just wish it, that was the only sour note in that whole film for me. I hear you. And yeah, like that's what I'm said when it was like um, suspension of disbelief because it doesn't happen. You could argue. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard about Sarah Everard uh, a couple of weeks back. She was murdered by a police officer on her way home and her body and bits were dumped in, in a nearby county. And it was done by a police officer. They held a vigil for her and then it was hounded by the police. Women were shoved to the ground, wrecked apart, et cetera, et cetera. It was great. Look it up. It's really fun. Um, we're having a great time over here in the UK. But yeah, and so and so the whole aspect of the police in this movie was a bit of a problem. But at the same time, um, the police are almost 100% more likely to worry about the death of a middle-class white woman than they are a woman of any other colour or lower class or blah, blah, blah. So it's believable in the sense that, like, oh, the white woman will save... The, like, it's important because she's a white woman kind of thing. But no, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, and I do agree. And it's a shame that it's sort of put on it as a heroic piece to them. But as you say, like, no one else is allowed to arrest people. So what do you do? <laughs> What can you do, really? Um, uh, yeah, no, uh, that's that. That was that was it for me. That was certainly my. But but it just it earned so much goodwill uh, up until that point. It's like ninety eight percent on point, uh, and just so I can forgive it uh, for for that uh, trial of a Chicago Seven. I cannot forgive. Uh, quite as easily, <laughs> like that segue. <laughs> uh, and, and okay, and this is coming from I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. Uh-huh. Like, like I've I've been he's been my guy since forever. Uh, a few good men, Sports Night, The West Wing. Sports uh, Night. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and it's funny, Tom. Uh, Thomas, sorry. Uh, uh, I don't know which you prefer, Tom or Thomas. Uh, Tom is my father's name, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Uh, Aaron Sorkin is not a good director yet. Uh, maybe someday he'll get there. Uh, and I hope he does. But he cranks out his best work when he can focus on the words and someone else can get bogged down in the minutia of, of just of just everything else uh, in the in the production. Like Molly's Game is a good movie. Uh, the uh, Trial of Chicago Seven is a is a good movie. Uh, but it's funny you talk about how the dialogue. It's like yeah, the dialogue pops, it it snaps, and it's it's like it's like all of his excesses in one place. Yep. And, and truth be told, I, I don't think I don't think it goes hard enough on mm. on the on the verbal just machine gun fire that is his style of writing uh it's it's i would certainly if i didn't know his name was attached to it i would certainly recognize that that was him uh but i've seen him go so much harder and so much better when he didn't also have to divide his attention between the directing duties and the writing duties i want him to continue working with talented directors who know how to get these performances out of the characters that moment with bobby seal uh, where he is gagged and bound, mm. that's a moment that should make you want to turn over a table. Yeah. Uh, it, but it doesn't. It's not It's not as, po- it's powerful, yes, but it's not as powerful as it would have been if that had been David Fincher 
or if that had been Danny Boyle uh, behind the helm uh, or Tommy Schlamme, any of those guys from the West Wing. Or even Steven Spielberg was originally attached to it for a while. Wow. I, yeah. Mm, mm. yeah. Now, that's a parallel universe I would like to, to peek into. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to see Spielberg's trial of the Chicago 7. <laughs> um, I also, I do, uh, I do like that you can kind of, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and Trial of the Chicago 7 form this kind of accidental cinematic universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is awesome. I think that is very cool. I want more movies to do that. <laughs> um, I, think I was the, so glad I watched Trial of the Chicago 7 first because it yes. was like Fred Hampton, Fred Hampton. And I was like, I know who Fred Hampton Captain is. And then I watched Judas and the Black Messiah and I was like, hey! Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the year that it was, what was it, Dunkirk and The Darkest Hour were nominated hey, the same the, year. The King's like, hey! Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> That's right. The accidental cinematic universe of World War II. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, trial, I liked it. Uh, I, but I, I, I did want someone else behind the helm just so he could focus on the dialogue and on the characters and just because I because I, I love it when he dials that up to 11. It's I mean, it's a few good men, uh, which will never get old. Uh, it's just yeah, it, it, it reads like a house on fire. The social network reads like a house on fire. Uh, it's just it's just so good. And and I was missing that that passion in this uh, versus uh, his, his other work, Judas, uh, which brings me to Judas and the Black Messiah. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. There is a theme that runs through that movie uh, that is so powerful to me, and I just I, and I feel I feel like it, it might get missed. It's uh, and it's said I think it's Jesse Plemons uh, who who mm-hmm. brings up the conversation, but it's, uh, uh, but it's Lakeith Stanfield's character uh, who who retorts that it's uh, talking about slavery uh, and all it is it, it's merely a way of becoming a better slave. And that is, that is what Lakeith Stanfield's journey is uh, in that movie. He just becomes a better servant to his masters. And it's so gross. And I, and I hate him so much and I love him. And I hope that this doesn't mar his ability to get other films playing such a loathsome character uh, in this, but you have to really believe in that project to, to take a role like that. Uh, right. and he sells it. Just the pocketing the money to at the end to go start the gas station. And uh, and then you get the, the crawl at the end where it's just like that guy totally offed himself. And and we're sitting in our living room like, good. It's, 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 I'm not, I know. I'm sorry. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. But it's so terrible. I'm going to get canceled for this uh, so, uh, so my my pick i would love i would love for judas and the black messiah uh to uh, to win for a best original screenplay but i think i think it's going to go to promising young woman and i would be absolutely over the moon uh if it did right i'm sorry that took like 45 minutes uh, no, we had like at least three derailments and and <laughs> subplots going on through there so it's it's absolutely fine uh all right well let's get into the acting categories we're now going to look at actor in a supporting role the nominees are sasha baron cohen for trial of the chicago seven daniel kaluuya for judas and the black messiah leslie odom jr for one night in miami Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. And Thomas, we're back to you. 
Well, um, I kind of referenced this earlier, but I'll reiterate my snub. Uh, you cowards, Delroy Lindo. Yes. Cowards, all of you <laughs> yes. cowards. But um, especially when, like, quite frankly, like, I think most of these nominees are delivered great performances, except for Asashi Baron Cohen. I, I think I give him all the credit in the world for attempting to do a more serious thing. But I think because of the way that um, Aaron Sorkin, quite frankly, butchers Abby Hoffman as a as a figure, um, they turn and the way that they play to Baron Cohen's sort of comedic roots it feels way less like a portrayal of abby hoffman and more just like are you auditioning for like a groucho Marx movie <laughs> that's what i just kept thinking the whole time and i'm like that boston accent what what even the hell was that well why can deborah lindo slip in here guys come on but um everyone else i think did a pretty great job even though there's a weird category fraud with having kalua and lakeith stanfield in this uh, particular category, I think. But they still both delivered great performances, and especially, I, I think it, it makes you have so many different um, feelings about both those characters, the way that that movie plays out. Um, and I think they both portray it so wonderfully. And I think it's probably going to go to Kaluuya, which I'm not against at all. Like, that dude is one of our great actors working right now, and I think he totally deserves it. At the same time, the one, Leslie Odom Jr., so much credit for managing to not only perform as sam cook but literally perform most of the songs and right. do such a great job where sam cook especially someone i love and i'm like i've heard so many people try to cover sam cook and fail so hard but did such a beautiful job in that movie of really capturing such a unique figure in history but i gotta say my favorite of these is paul racy from sound of metal that dude just the scene where he has to tell riz ahmed to leave is one of those scenes that really got me so emotional and you <laughs> know so that beautiful. will be the scene they play that's that's oh, the clip. Course, that's the clip. Yeah, and and they should. The cowards play it. Um, <laughs> um, but but no, yeah, I, I think uh, he he's my favorite, and I would love if he won, especially as somebody who was a character actor, but is mostly unknown as a figure, and then him just popping up in this movie, and especially the fact that he apparently came from like a, a deaf family, or at least had deaf members in his family, and was able to do it with ASL and all this other stuff. Um, I I would hope he would win, but I would also not be at all against Kaluuya, who I think will ultimately win it. All right, Emily. Yeah, I don't know why the two leads from Judas and the Black Messiah are here in the supporting role, other than that classic, you know, because you'd do it, wouldn't you? You'd check out your competition and be like, I'm going to put myself under musical and comedy instead of, like, thriller, which I'm meant to be, <laughs> Rosamund Pike. So then I'll get it over here rather than having to keep compete with like Queen's Gambit over there, like playing it safe kind of thing. And I'm not um, accusing these guys of doing that and playing it safe, but I, I think that it was a tactical thing or a respectful thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But they were both fucking incredible. Like, I know these guys from Get Out. They're both in Get Out. And it was so wonderful to see them transfer over into this movie and just like go for it and like i now like know lakey stanfield's name whereas i didn't before and like i'm gonna remember him and look out for him so daniel's been sweeping up brit um <laughs> so i really hope he gets it because he's been he was like he started when he was like 18 in skins over here and it's really great to see him here now I, I, I thought Sasha Baron Cohen was good I don't know anything about Abby Hoffman I don't know anything about the trial of the Chicago 7 beyond what I watched in this movie and I was like I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> you know <laughs> so I think I sort of stand in for the general movie going audience that's like hmm 
all right then. That's how I feel about that. And Leslie Adam Jr. obviously made Hamilton what it is today. Uh, he is wonderful and he was perfect as Sam Cooke. And yeah, how do you say his name? Paul Racy? Mm-hmm. I believe so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> what, what you said. <laughs> so, so, so I'm confused. Is Racy your pick or is Kalia your pick? <laughs> I think Kalia is my pick and I think he will win it. All right. Mel. So, Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, yes, uh, he, he does do a little more mugging, uh, I think, uh, in, in that role, uh, than I, w- I wish he had. Um, uh, and, and yeah, I agree with Thomas that it's kind of, it's kind of Sorkin coming into that, that, that job, knowing Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, like, and knowing what he was capable of, uh, and kind of steering the character toward that. Uh, it's, it's always kind of, it, it can be dangerous to write with an actor in mind uh i I think it it can it can taint the work a little bit uh but you know i'm sure there are as many arguments for the opposite as so whatever uh so no uh so cohen's not my pick leslie odom jr fantastic uh and i've I've already kind of sung the praises of of the the movie once already on this uh but uh, yeah that's uh, that's phenomenal and heartfelt and and i get it that's that's another one where i'm just like oh, oh I, I i see what they're saying uh, but i also understand i understand why why you feel that way uh so yeah yeah great great stuff from him uh lakeith stanfield i have loved for a minute now um if you haven't seen sorry to bother you Mm. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> such a such a treat, such a wildly original gem. Uh, that that movie, and and he's uh, he goes so hard in that. Um, so I yeah, great job in in Judas and the Black Messiah. I loathe his character, <laughs> um, but you know you know that's that's a fantastic performance. I do think though, I think it will go to Daniel Kaluuya. He really he really sells that uh it's it's got it's got power it's got heart uh it's got vulnerability it's got strength it's just it's 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 all of it. it's it's a perfect package he's incredibly charismatic uh, it, and it's just it does it's a good role it's just a good juicy role uh so i yeah i i think he will win it but i wanted to go to paul racy that's like a that role is almost underappreciated uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I, I feel like it's a quieter role. It's a, it's it, it's a more subtle role, and I feel like he's doing so much uh, yeah, in that part. Uh, and, and yeah, and yeah, when when he when he tells him to leave, it's that that's that's you know that's that's strong stuff. It's 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 that moment in it's that moment in uh, A Star Is Born where Bradley Cooper's is like I always I was just trying to sound like you, and then and then like Sam Bell like just like gets in the truck and drives away in reverse. <laughs> like it's it's that moment that's meant to just be like oh shit okay all right <laughs> I, I see what you're doing but yeah yeah I I hope it goes to him uh, I think it'll go to Daniel I hope it goes to Paul. I, I don't have as much issue with Sasha Baron Cohen as, as some of you seem to be. Like, I thought it was a good performance. I do not think it's a great performance with the other four nominees, but I, 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 I can see why he got the attention. Mel and I actually chatted about this. I think Leslie Odom Jr. was the wrong nominee for One Night in Miami. And that's not to say that I don't think he was amazing, because he was amazing. And as you said, you know, the way he not only performed as Sam Cooke, but the way he performed as Sam Cooke, you know, I mean, that's he did great. But when I walked away from the movie, his was not the only performance that I was left thinking about. And I, I think I think One Night in Miami got 
kind of shafted as, as far as nominees go, because I think it should have gotten a couple more nominations for the acting, because the acting was phenomenal in that movie. Kaluuya is amazing in Judas and the Black Messiah, and if you if you can hear you know recordings of those speeches and 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 you know what what they authentically sounded like, and then versus his performance, it's. It, it, he he does a fantastic job in it, and and like Keith Stanfield is fantastic in his. But Paul Racy has had my vote on this from the moment I saw Sound of Metal, and I knew uh, that was the first of these that I saw. And I knew when I when that movie ended, I was like, that's going to be the performance to be. Like that's the bar. And I don't think anybody got quite up as far as that. Won't be surprised if Daniel Kaluuya wins. Won't be disappointed at all. But I think Paul Racy is the the one who deserves this the most, especially uh, as uh, I think Thomas brought up his connection to uh, the, the the hearing loss community and the ASL and that kind of thing. I think I, I think that just adds to it. And I, I I thought it was a masterful performance. As I said, that's the clip. You know, we we know that's going to be the clip. So all right, let's switch sides to actress in a supporting role. The nominees this time are Maria Bakalova for Borat subsequent movie film, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Yoon Yu Young for Minari. And Emily, we're starting with you. Maria Bakalova was amazing. She is the reason that Borat 2 is a good movie, because she brings a heart that was missing from the first movie, and a soul and a humor with it. She is speaking like three different languages. She is bringing improvisational skills into a dangerous America. Um in this like undercover movie she is she is having to compete with Sasha Baron Cohen and she rises to the challenge and i am so happy for her that she got a nomination if she wins it i would be very happy but i don't think it's the type of i mean i'm shocked that it's the type of role that's even got a nomination i definitely don't think it will be the type of role that they'll they'll give the accolade to um but i'm really happy to see her here because she really did put a lot of work into that film and you know just think about what she had to do and just like could you do it could any actor could meryl streep have done that nah (laughs) no offense meryl but like (laughs) i don't think you could have done it i Um, have not seen this listener meryl streep You never know. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Glenn Close obviously got the Razzie for this role as well as the supporting Oscar nom, which is just insulting because she's playing a real-life person who existed, so to give her a Razzie is just fucking dumb and unfair. Um, I think it's a fine Oscar-baity performance of an Oscar-baity character um, I really didn't hate the movie at all. I actually quite enjoyed it, um, which I was shocked at. I thought it was sweet and it resonated with me. And I thought her performance any other year would not be questioned being on this list. But this year, it's a bit like, really? Okay, fair enough. But I see why it's here. Like, mm. like we talked about the like one white, movie nom thing happening that's seems to be what's happening here and it's like her turn isn't it like she's like getting old now she hasn't had one yet like she's probably like come on give me an oscar um (laughs) i'm shocked that amy adams from this movie wasn't nominated because amy adams is perfect in everything and the role was so oscar baity um that i was like are you making a point by not 
be nominated? I don't know. And she also has not won one. Yeah, and she also has not won one. And, like, obviously the Oscars suck and you have to, like, take your PowerPoint around Hollywood and be like, here's why I learnt ballet for the role of Lex Swan and why you should give me an Oscar. And it's like, blah, 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 that sucks. <laughs> I have not seen The Father. I imagine Olivia Colman is perfect because she always is. I imagine she's funny when she needs to be, that she delivers lines perfectly when she needs to. She brings a an emotional weight to it and... Uh, a, a quivering lip and a, a, tr- a tr- trembling tear duct. Like, I'm sure she's great. I don't know, though. And she got one for the favourite, so she can just sit down for the suit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Seyfried was great. I thought I was going to hate Mank, and I didn't. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it, though. And what is the Oscars if it doesn't have its black and white Hollywood puff piece? So this was it. It's like, tick, tick. Here's your the artist. Here's your La La Land in the form of Mank, which was fine, except when Amanda Seyfried was on screen, and then it was awesome, and every scene that she's in was really fun, and she's playing Marion, she's like the ninth actress to play Marion Davies in a movie, and I thought she did it really well, and I think ever since Mean Girls, she's proven herself to be a really formidable presence on screen, and it's really great that she's getting an opportunity to really properly show that off and here she is with a nomination i think she fully deserves a nomination and i would not be sad if she won it but yu jung yoon uh is perfect she's great she's perfect she's really 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 good like obviously she's good she's been good in her home country for years and now she's come over here and we're like wow she's so good and she's like yeah obviously i'm good like do you know who i am and we're like no And she's like, uh, I mean, she's not like that at all. She's incredibly humble and wonderfully artistic and articulate and sweet. When she won the BAFTA and the first thing she said was, um, my condolences for your lost Duke of Edinburgh. And we were like, oh, I don't give a shit. It's real family, but thank you. (laughs) Super cute. I think she will win it. I think she deserves to win it. I think she's brilliant. I think... I just really hope that it doesn't lead to sort of like... But is it that... Did Parasite walk so... Because Parasite famously didn't have any actors nominated uh, for any awards. Controversially, as it won Best Picture, so surely the actors should have got nominations as well. They did not. But yeah, I'm really happy to see her on here, and I hope she gets it. Fantastic. Mel? I'm going to I'm gonna get to Mank here <laughs> in, a, in a little bit. Uh, Amanda Seyfried is is the best thing about that movie <laughs> to, to me. Uh, she, uh, she, she brings uh, kind of a, just uh, a, a, a light, uh, 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 to the, to the, her scenes, um, that just kind of is absent uh, to me, uh, in the rest of the, the film. I, I probably even need to watch it again just because I, <laughs> Just like I just I feel like I feel like I, I was supposed to enjoy that so much more than I did. Uh, I <laughs> I just remember I remember looking back now. I just remember thinking, "When's Amanda Seyfried coming back?" <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, like uh, liked her quite a bit. Um, Olivia Coleman, I love. I just I, I love her and everything. Um, and it's and it's always great to see her. Uh, and she's she's great in this because she always is. But I'm I'm not convinced this will necessarily go to her. Mm, I don't know. I feel like your all your focus is on Anthony Hopkins uh, in that in that movie. He, he, he kind of just just like steals thunder from everyone else. Uh, uh, Glenn Close, yeah, that that's Hill, Hillbilly Elegy did not sit well with me. Uh, it is, yeah, it's 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 Oscar Beatty as all get out. Um, but it's it's one of those movies where uh, I'm just like, eh, it's not 2016 anymore. 
it's it's no longer i'm gonna say something unpopular it's no longer i'm I'm no longer interested in in trying to understand uh the choices made by by certain groups of people uh who always seem to vote against their own best interests uh and and i and i'm supposed to sympathize uh with and and that's got nothing to do with her acting her acting is phenomenal her acting is great it's it's so like she really, she really goes all in for that. She sets a guy on fire for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's fantastic. Some bad wigs in that movie, though. Um, uh, oh my gosh, Yoon Yoon Young. Yeah, yeah. That's that that's that's a that's a fan. That's a fantastic role. Uh, uh, just and and yeah, and just just amazing. I have I have nothing intelligible to say at all uh, about that performance. Uh, just. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure anyone else would have done that justice. Uh, right. Uh, but I don't even have a runner-up in this category. I'm, I'm giving it to Maria Bakalova. I think in order, in order to stand next to Sasha Baron Cohen, who is Sasha Baron Cohening as hard as we've ever seen him, Sasha Baron Cohen, and not get drowned out and not get overshadowed. Th- those are those are severe chops. Uh, she's phenomenal uh in that in and just so so amazing uh so yeah I, I i want her to win it back and forth all all over the place uh and i want her to, to have a long and prosperous career <laughs> just uh just a marvelous marvelous job wow that took an unexpected turn from, <laughs> for, for, at least for me <laughs> I loved it. um so i i need to thank you emily um because you wrote uh, a piece on this category um, which I read, and because of what you wrote, uh, I gave Hillbilly Elegy a shot because I I was fully prepared to record today without having seen two of the nominees in this category because for some reason the actress categories are like a lot of this was the only nomination that movie got and as I said I kind of focused on the ones that had the most nominations first and and moved down from that and let me let me let me start with I think Yoon Yoo Young definitely deserves the award. I think her performance in Minari is just fantastic. Um, um, I mean, she, she is funny and she is heartbreaking and she is, she's a little evil and she's not that kind of grandmother. And, you know, I mean, she's, she's fantastic and I love her performance in it. I don't think she's going to get the award. She's, she's my pick. Like that's who I, I think should win. I don't think she's going to get the award. I think this is the year that Glenn Close gets it. Because we know the Academy takes those years to award, you know, to kind of the mea culpa for all the years that they didn't give the award to a person. And I think that will end up being the case this year. This will be the year that Glenn Close gets it. And it's not a bad performance. It's not a fantastic movie, although it hit me uh, a little harder than I would like, having grown up in a very rural part of Appalachia, having a mother who has some health issues going on right now. It it just resonated with me in some very personal ways that surprised me. I don't think it's a great movie, though. I'm not surprised not to see it nominated for Best Picture. But I think Glenn Close's performance in it is pretty good. And I think this will be the year that Glenn Close gets it as a, as a Lifetime Achievement Award type thing. And I'm not sad about that. But I think Minari has the better performance. Uh, that that said, Amanda Seyfried, you know, I, I think, Mel, you and I are going to end up being on the the same wavelength uh, based on, on little hints you've made so far. 
but she is the best thing about Mank. Still not saying a lot. Uh, and Olivia Coleman is is brilliant in the father. Um, and I agree. I think too much focus. I mean, not not too much, but I think most of the focus is being put on Anthony Hopkins, uh, deservedly so. And I think I think part of the problem Coleman has is that she doesn't play the character the whole movie. Uh, and I don't want to say anything more than that because Emily has not seen the movie yet. I read the Wikipedia. So. Uh, okay, but yeah, so I think I think that that detracts a little bit from the performance. But I think what she does is admirable. Um, she doesn't really get the chance to be funny here, uh, but boy, she she tugs at your heartstrings. But I, I think uh, um, Yoon Young is just the star among these contenders. Thomas. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll just uh, go quickly because I have a, agree with a lot of things. Amanda Seyfried is the best part of Mank. I think of the various women who have to spend so much time hearing Gary Oldman droll on and on <laughs> about the screenwriting process, she's the standout of that repetitive angle of it. Um, so I think she, she God, God bless her for it. Um, Olivia Coleman, I agree, is like she has the more subtle turn in that movie, which I think is what's getting her sort of a lack of attention. But um, I think she just particularly there's a great bit where. Uh, Anthony Hopkins goes off on the tirade and uh, it focuses on her and you see so much of like, oh, okay, there was a lot of things even before the dementia, I'm sure, where this guy wasn't the best father to her. Right. And you can see it on her face and it's such a beautiful performance. I totally agree. She's sort of the, the underrated one in this category. Um, Glenn Close, I have wanted desperately to win an Oscar for so long, but to paraphrase The Matrix, not like this, Glenn. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I I just I I I really wanted to win so hard, and I I have, I agree. I think she and Amy, Amy Adams are trying so hard to make that movie work, but I don't think they can manage to make stuff like that. That fucking Terminator monologue is one of the dumbest things I've heard in a fucking movie. What is a there neutral, no neutral Terminator? There are neutral Terminators, exactly. There are none. What? How does but, that work? Um, it, it reminds me of that awful um, Vin Diesel movie that he did, that he directed, where it has, like, it's very obvious that he's trying to make life is a matador a thing from this movie. It's on the poster. It's a thing that's said in the movie. And it's like, no, that metaphor does not work. Life is not a matador. <laughs> you are the matador. Life is the bull. Uh, yeah, that, that Terminator thing was so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, um, and then God bless her for putting for being in that makeup that makes her look like a Mike Judge character. I, I have so much empathy for poor Glenn Close in that in that makeup. But no, I I I think I'm in the same boat that a lot of people have been in. Where I think um, Yu Jung is going to win for um, Minari, and I am totally for it. I think she's won a bunch of the predecessor awards. I'm all absolutely for it. But Maria Bakalova, I think, had to go through like especially. I love when a comedic wow. performance is recognized. And I think especially having to, like, try and be up to, like, has been previously said, Sasha Baron Cohen's level. Because, like, we know Sasha. Like, Sasha, you've been doing this forever. We get it. This is your shtick. We know. We're aware. Um, but she had to match up to him. And I think even usurps him at certain points. And I agree. I think we, we didn't mention – I didn't mention much about Borat and the uh, adapted screenplay category because I think she is the strength where I agree with what Emily said earlier. She is the heart of that movie. She's – essentially what turns that into a good movie i completely 100 agree and it's so much has been made about like even the rudy giuliani stuff but even in a bunch of scenes where it's very clear that like this is improvised on the spot her and cohen like interacting with each other you still see so much more heart than would ever be in this movie where once again there's there's so many like horribly crass awful jokes but even then by the end you're just like oh i hope i hope that girl makes it out of there back to kazakhstan i hope she does <laughs> 
It's like I don't so even I, know you people. I never would have <laughs> predicted that that was the leader out of the, the four of us. <laughs> what? Have you seen the performance? Like... I haven't because I don't like Sasha Baron Cohen comedies like that. And, I, I, you know, Borat, I, did, I had zero interest in seeing Borat. And the fact that they were doing Borat 2 was just like, oh, here's another one that I will just willingly ignore. And I apparently now I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. I only watched it because I wrote that article and I was pleasantly surprised. Also, Glenn mm-hmm. Close's makeup in Hillbilly Elegy, not to be offensive to the real Ma Ma, um, kind of reminded me of Glenn Close in Hook, where she plays the light male pirate and she's like curly hair. <laughs> you know? Sans you beard. Know the beard was missing. I would have wanted the beard. Yeah. All right. Moving, oh my God. <laughs> moving on to actress in a leading role. The nominees in this category are Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Andra Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. And Emily goes last this round, so <laughs> Mel, we'll start with you. Um, okay, I had to apologize uh, for this one. I did not get to see The United States versus Billie Holiday. Uh, so I unfortunately, I cannot speak to uh, to Andre Day's performance uh, in that, uh, I'm sorry to say. That being said, Frances McDormand, she does a does a, a great job uh, in Nomadland. Uh, I uh, that that's an odd movie uh, for me uh, a little bit, and and it's it's been said before. Uh, it's it feels a little bit like a cheat uh, because it's it's kind of a documentary. But I, I liked her. It remi- her performance in that reminded me of. Uh, and when I'm, I can never remember his name. Uh, the movie was Into the Wild. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of that. Uh, I keep wanting to say Jack Kerouac, but that's not who it is. No, it was inspired by Jack Kerouac. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, like, cause there's that moment where she goes, she goes to her sisters. Uh, and yeah, there's these, these like, kind of like douchey real estate dudes uh, there. And, and she has, she has her moment where she, she rips into them. Uh, but at the same time I'm over here, I'm just like, yeah, I agree with you, but don't you need money from them? Don't you, aren't you? Oh, maybe. Um, so no, but it's, it's really good. I, I wish, I wish she had just stayed with David Strathairn. Uh, but I understand. I don't know why she didn't. Uh, and I'm just over here spoiling the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, yeah, like I, I always, I always enjoy her, but I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna be her this year. Vanessa Kirby, dear God, pieces of a woman, pieces of a woman is just like being dragged across concrete uh, for two hours. That's just uninhibited, unabashed, just swing for the fences uh uh kind of work in that it's it's a it's a hard watch uh and she she does does not make it easy for you like that like that childbirth scene is like 30 straight minutes of uh just like one continuous shot of the uh, and you you feel it uh it's that, that movie gets a it gets a little dirty with uh with you know oh god why can't i remember his name uh shia labeouf Thank you. Yes, I was going to say uh, from Transformers. Um, yes, <laughs> all I know him from. <laughs> no, Honey Boy was really good. Uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, it, he, given his kind of background, uh, I, I feel like his involvement in that movie taints it a little bit. Uh, but that doesn't take anything away from her. Uh, she, she, she really just her performance hurts uh, so much uh, in that, and just like you're. You're just right there along with her. It's like there's no escape from her 
performance in that movie. You can't get away from it. Like you, you, you live in that performance <laughs> uh, for, for better or worse. So uh, yeah, lo- loved her in that. Uh, Viola Davis. That's a weird role. <laughs> that's a really weird role. Uh, she's like instantly unlikable and does not try very hard to change her mind. Uh, she, she doesn't care. Like that character does not give a shit how you feel about her. And I think that's admirable. Like the, if whenever they show the scenes, like her scene, I just want it to be the scene where she drinks like a whole Coke in one take. <laughs> like it just, just have to be that nothing else. That's, that's, that's such a, that's such a great role. I, I don't think she's going to take it either. Uh, I, I think it's, I think it's going to go to Carrie Mulligan. And I say this again, without having seen uh, United States versus Billie Holiday, um, that Andre Day's performance, uh, maybe the best of the five, uh, but yeah, uh, my my money's on Carrie Mulligan. I I thought, what a what a role. That's like the role of a lifetime. Who, if you had pitched that to me, uh, I would have been like, absolutely yes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm there. I'm there from day one. I I will I will do this. Why why would anyone turn down a role that good? So, and she she really brought it, man. She brought she brought her A game for that, uh, and I, I loved her for it. And and now I have a mental image of you in the candy striper outfit from towards the end of the movie. <laughs> well, I have the hips for it. <laughs> Um, yeah, unfortunately, this category, I also didn't get to see several of the nominees because, again, they were the, they were the one shot. So uh, Audra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, she's the only thing nominated and it's not getting the best critical feedback pieces of a woman kind of the same situation for Vanessa Kirby. So I didn't see those. Viola Davis. I, I love her. I think she's a, a brilliant actress. I, I don't know if you know this, Mel. This is, of course, based on a stage play, and mm-hmm. Ma Rainey doesn't show up for most of Act One. So they had to flesh out her character a lot more for the movie than she is in the stage play. On one hand, I think it's a brilliant portrayal because it is a woman who has, uh, it is, more importantly, it is a black woman who has found success and is going to use that uh, to the most of her ability. And I respect that, especially given the setting of the movie. I totally respect that. But on the other hand, you're right. She's not a very likable character in any way. And I also kind of feel like they didn't give Davis a lot to work with. It's a very one note character. And Davis is capable of so much more than what she has to work with in this movie. As I said, I don't like Nomadland. Um, I, I love Frances McDormand in other stuff. It just wasn't, this was not a movie for me. And, uh, and that's okay. You know, I mean, it's that, that's not every movie is for every person. That's why film is such a brilliant art form. It's subjective. Nomadland was not for me. Francis McDormand's performance in this movie was not for me. I just, I just didn't dig it, which leaves us with Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman, which is, as I said, I have some issues with Promising Young Woman as a film, uh, but Carrie Mulligan is not one of them. <laughs> uh, it is, it is, I think her performance is fantastic uh, from the beginning to the end of the movie. I, I love the emotional range that she gets the opportunity to play. And I don't feel like there's any point where she is, you know, mugging or hyping it up or or anything like that. I think it, it feels like a very true, very honest, very genuine performance. And I totally think she deserves this this award. Thomas. Um, yeah, uh, I uh, did my diligent research and did watch uh, the United <laughs> States versus Billy Holiday, despite all the bad reviews that are uh, extremely warranted. It's a very bad movie. Um, I'm, I am surprised. <laughs> it's it's like a it's a very bad, very long TV movie that somehow got nominated in the Oscars. Um, but I don't think any of that's on Andre Day, 
who is definitely the one good thing about the movie. We're just like, oh, wow, you're doing an incredible job of playing, once again, another character, kind of like the people in One Night in Miami, uh, Billie Holiday, such a recognizable figure, and doing, I think, the best job she possibly could do with a very spotty movie. I think it's the same thing with Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, in terms of, I think, that has, the movie has a lot of issues, particularly with focusing so much on the Shia LaBeouf character in a way that I'm like, I don't know if I give as much of a shit about this dude. She's going through the Marcus <laughs> journey, and he's like, I want to commit insurance fraud on my car. <laughs> or whatever <laughs> i don't care um but uh yeah I, I think they were both very good despite the lesser elements of the movies um also why didn't andrew day get to sing my thrill in the movie that's the one thing i wanted and you didn't do that <laughs> but anyway um i agree with everything about viola davis i love viola davis in general but i think she is uh not the strongest thing about ma Rainey's black bottom um overall despite being the title character and then with Francis McDormand and Carrie Mulligan, um, I really did uh, love Nomadland. I think it's because a lot of her sort of ability to portray a character who I believably could see, like, why she in particular would want to be on the journey in the van so much, even though she's put in this terrible situation. She had the perfect performance, I think, to portray somebody who would... like prefer this kind of lifestyle and i understood her making these choices even if i didn't personally agree with them i think she did such a phenomenal job at that and even though i am also just like just stay with david strathairn who wouldn't want to do that i want to stay with david strathairn why wouldn't she (laughs) um but uh but i think she's probably going to win she's gotten a lot of uh the sort of previous accolades for it but i do agree i think carrie mulligan despite some of the things i said about promising woman's script i think she is the thing that keeps that movie together so powerfully despite like some of the weird twists and turns i think she does such a phenomenal job and i think especially her chemistry with bo burnham um who i love in general but i think that the the strength of their relationship and then the turn that it takes like it only works well because of her performance i think and how tragic that is and it's an, that movie is so impeccably cast especially with like all of the assholes who are like oh no you're like my favorite white kind of nerdy guys and you're all awful pieces of shit oh no why not bo uh not adam brody no um but uh but carrie i think is like the big thing that i, I would want her to win for that but i still think it would probably go to mcdormand despite that all right emily you also have to promise to release our loved ones at some point because we all praised Carrie Mulligan, okay? <laughs> okay, I'll make the phone call in a minute. <laughs> um, I'm really happy that Denzel Washington is making his way through the works of August Wilson and bringing them to film because it's just really handy and convenient for me to be able to watch these plays that I definitely should already have read and have not. Um, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is really, really, is really good. It's very sort of Judy Dench in Shakespeare in Love, where she's only in the movie for 23 minutes. Um, I know what you mean when you say that she's unlikable, but like, I really, it's it was the type of performance that stayed with me a lot afterwards. At the time, I just sort of was like, eh, okay. And then day after day after day, she is so good at being so for want of a better word, angry and tired. Like, the whole thing that happens with Chaswick Bozeman's character has already happened with her. And that is her performance. Her performance is this this woman who knows she will get away with what she can get away with because she knows that if it was luck that she's in this position because they so easily could have pulled the rug out from under her, which is exactly what they do to Chadwick Boseman's character. And so she's just firmly got her feet 
through the rug onto the floorboards and she is obnoxious about it and it is so deserved and she is so powerful in that that knowing anger of like society at the time and the way it's treating her that is then reflected in the other character and his and how he's treated by the sort of recording studio I don't know that's what I really got from her performance that just sort of like tired anger and there's a lot of that on this list so again I didn't see the United States versus Billie Holiday um sorry Andra Day I'm sure you're great uh Vanessa Kirby tired anger um I watched the first 30 minutes of that birth scene and like jotted down reasons 6782 as to why I'm never fucking giving birth ever um and then I scrolled through BuzzFeed for two hours and then I watched her like monologue in the courtroom at the end and I saw Vanessa Kirby in 2008 doing Three Sisters at the Young Vic because my friend was in it and I was like she's really good and now she's up for an Oscar so I'm just like whoop whoop like don't get it don't you dare take it from my girl but really great to see her on here really happy for her um she's very clever she picks her projects very well she's very career driven so i'm really happy for her that she managed to find this piece where she was like i don't know i feel like she was a bit like i can get an oscar nom out of this even though the movie itself you'd probably read it and be like she was like i can nail that and i'll get my oscar nom and that'll be my stepping stone I think Frances McDormand will take it home. She couldn't stay, you guys. If she'd have stayed at the end, it would have undermined everything that that movie was trying to stand for. She couldn't stay. That would be like if Riz Ahmed was like, hooray, my operation was successful and we don't have to be deaf anymore. Like, that's the equivalent of that. She couldn't stay with the millions of chickens and guinea fowl. She had to leave. In our defense, we said we understood. And so we forgot David Strathairn, though. <laughs> Stop projecting your own feelings onto Frances McDonald, <laughs> who um, is always so watchable. She's such a great actress in that she's so natural on camera and it's really difficult to act on camera. Like, I find it impossible because I'm, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm like really theatrical and that doesn't go across well on no, no, camera. No. <laughs> what? No, it's you. Yeah, so the movie was really boring but like she was good and I was like yes you're being Frances McDormand like you're doing it really well like well done to you and she'll she'll get it and that's great and hopefully she'll what will be really nice when she wins is that we'll get another like inclusion rider speech where she's like <laughs> laying it down to Hollywood and I'll be like save to my favourites on YouTube um my girl Carrie Mulligan is also British, and I love her, and I will marry her one day, but until then, I will talk about her performance in Promising Young Woman, where throughout the entire movie, she has this repressed exhaustion, where even when she's winning, even when she's on top of things, she's tired behind her eyes because she's just so sick of it, and we're all so sick of it, and so whilst it's lovely to see her really quite tamely getting revenge 
it's just so tiring that it's having to even happen in the first place. And that's consistent throughout the movie. And I think that's why it's so commendable to her and how the movie really is on her shoulders a lot of the time because she is the heart of it in that the heart is like so weak and just trying to push through to the next scene and I think that's such a clever choice and she's so clever with her choices always and there was you've probably read the variety review that is now termed controversial where this bloke was like Margot Robbie is a producer on this movie. She would have been better in the main role because blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Margot Robbie is hotter than Carrie Mulligan. And Carrie Mulligan Mm -hmm. was like, did you watch the movie? Like, yeah, here's the point of the movie. And here you missed it. You missed it. (laughs) Fucking things to say about any of the fucking movies. And then he turned around and he's like, I'm 68 and gay. I don't care. I don't sit here comparing hotness of actresses. And it's like, Oh, we're back again. I point you directly to the movie. Um, Shulamung up. So, yeah, that was a whole thing, which most people bring up when they talk about her performance in an attempt to be like, she was good. Like, she doesn't have to look like Margot Robbie. And I don't think Margot Robbie would have been good in this role because it needed that down-to-earth human person to play this person who has just been mistreated and is so hurt she's so hurt throughout it and she plays like that hopefulness and that light throughout the middle bit so well and then she's dead (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) yeah i really hope she gets it i really want her to get it i don't think she got it for an education which was like 20 years ago whatever now (laughs) so it's her time it's her turn and it's warranted it's perfect performance in a perfect movie all right Switching gears to uh, uh, to actor in a leading role, uh, our nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins in The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yoon for Minari. Uh, and I get to go first this time, and this is a hard category. I mean, this is a tough category. So let's start with the unfortunate uh, posthumous Oscar nomination for Chadwick Boseman, which is probably the direction the Academy is going to go in giving the award. Because, um, as we said with Glenn Close, sometimes they kind of do the Lifetime Achievement Award. This is not actually for this performance. This is for everything in your career. And Boseman's career was sadly cut short. And you can watch the films that he's done and see just what a career he had ahead of him. And the good news is, if he gets the Oscar for this performance, it's a damn good performance for him to get an Oscar for. Uh, And I think that's the direction the Academy is going to go. I think it's going to go to Chadwick Boseman because of his untimely loss. And again, it's a great performance. I'm, I'm happy for him to get it for this. I think he would have been nominated whether or not he had passed away. And I think he would have been a good contender uh, if he was still alive with this performance. That said, looking at the other performances, um, Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal is absolutely amazing. The performance that he gives there. And when I when I watched the movie, I, I remember thinking early on in the film that he was playing it a little too angry. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. No, this is 
this is who he is. Like this is, he hasn't even gone through all of this stuff. We're seeing the gut reaction to uh, him losing his hearing as a drummer. Uh, I'd be angry too. I mean, that's, that's how people react to these kinds of things. And I, I think his performance is fantastic. It was the, the second performance I saw out of these. And I was like, Oh, there's the bar. Okay. Because the first performance I saw in this was Gary Oldman as Mank. And no, I mean, I just, Mank should not have gotten the Oscar attention that it got. I, I do not think it is a good movie. I think it was, as I said at the beginning of the show, I think it's kind of the token nominee. I think in a lot of the categories that it got nominations, there were other things that should have gotten those nominations instead. But Hollywood likes films that celebrate Hollywood, and that's what this is. And I think David Fincher is so much more talented what he does here. Anthony Hopkins in The Father is a powerhouse performance. And I think uh, if it doesn't go to Chadwick Boseman, that's the direction. It's going to go because the the emotion that he plays without being able to really play any of the emotion, you know, the lines aren't letting him give the emotion. So it's all in his eyes. It's all in his face. It's all in the little things, um, the, the fear that he has of this situation of him, you know, losing his mind is just beautifully performed by Hopkins. I mean, he is an amazing actor and i know that they wanted him for this role that this this was the intent uh and and they got him and it's it, it pays off that said Stephen yoon you know if we had to lose glenn from the walking dead i'm glad this is why you know that, that this is what he's been able to do after the walking dead i think his performance in minari is really solid as well as i said this is a tough category and and i I am kind of glad I'm just get to sit here and pontificate and don't actually have to cast a ballot in it. But I, I think it's going to go to Chadwick Boseman. But I, if it doesn't, uh, I think Anthony Hopkins uh, is the one that it goes to. Thomas. Um, but to respond to your Mank thing, but Rafe, the, the movies, I don't know if you know this, are magic. And thus, it's, it's, if you didn't know that from like decades of watching the Oscars. Movies, movies are magic. Mank ain't one of them. No, I, 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 I agree. I am not in the tank for Mank. The most interesting thing has just been all the weird uses of the word Mank that have come out as a meme. Um, and also that Bill Nye, as in the science guy, shows up in it randomly. And what? That's the most interesting. He plays... Um, right, the, no, uh, I know. It was a what yeah. the fuck moment. Yeah. He plays the politician. Yes. Yes. At one point, I'm just like, what? Are you going to teach me about inertia has mattered? <laughs> um, but uh, no, I agree. I think Oldman is the one I would genuinely say is not a good performance either. I think it's just, it's a lot of him pontificating. And it's a lot of, like, it, it's so weird the Academy only just realized in, like, 2010, like, oh, you're a good actor. We should start nominating you for things. Like, no shit, <laughs> guys. Yeah, yeah. It's, Where were it's you when Gar Dracula was out? <laughs> right, exactly. Just, you should focus on the costumes to nominate him for anything. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's it's one of his worst performances, and I, I'm baffled that he's nominated for it. But everyone else is pretty great. I agree that Hopkins is, like, so vulnerable in a really sad way, and it really works for him. And you are, once again, in his, sit like, footsteps the whole time. And he is a great audience surrogate for you to be just, like, so perturbed by as, like, everything around him is just caving in. It's such a phenomenal performance. Um, but, but also, I mean, I think Stephen Yoon does such a great job, especially in such a stacked cast. I think he does such a great job, but also the frustration of just trying to, you know, raise his family in the middle of this, uh, where the stacked are, where the uh, odds are stacked against him, and particularly the scene where he's talking to, I, I apologize, forgot the actress who played his wife, but, like, right after they go to the one store and they drop off everything, and they have their argument outside, and just mm -hmm. like, 
Ooh, <laughs> it, it, it felt so real and so beautifully emotional. I, I thought both of them did such a great job, and he obviously is there for it. Um, and then Riz Ahmed, I think, is my personal choice. I thought he did such a phenomenal job with Sound of Minimal, especially just so much of the facial acting he had to do in sequences where he couldn't actually like hear things or speak things, like particularly the ending of shot of that movie. It's so stellar. Yeah. Just him embracing his, uh, you know, this thing that is um, not, shouldn't be treated as an affliction after for so long he finally realized that. It's so phenomenal that he did that. But I do agree. I think Bozeman's going to win. And I think it's just because, you know, it's this tragic thing of we took him for granted as an actor. Yeah. And such a shame that we did because he delivered so many great performances before this. And he's an icon forever now because of stuff like Black Panther or 42 or all these other great performances. Um, and I think they are probably going to give it to him, but also I agree. It's such a phenomenal turn from, especially in a really stacked, like supporting cast. With, yeah. Like, um, I, I forgot some of them, but I know like Glenn Turman in particular, I thought was such a phenomenal person who maybe deserves some awards attention, but like him interacting with those band guys, I think in particular is where that movie is just so electrifying and it's such a stellar turn that at the same time, I would not, it, it wouldn't feel like a, just a gimme. No. It's a one where, like, I understand why he wins, but also it, it's a totally deserved. Yeah. All right, Emily. Yeah, like, Chadwick Boseman doesn't have the opportunity to get one again. So, like, let him have this one, you know? Which feels reductive, but it's not, because his performance was outstanding. And as you've all said, he'd be here regardless. And I was actually shocked when the BAFTA went to Anthony Hopkins. I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like... I haven't seen The Father. I assume Anthony Hopkins is great. And he's very old, so maybe this is also his last Oscars. Who could say? But like, Hey, you take that back. <laughs> <laughs> he's very old. He's like, like the, that's the whole point of him being here. He's like the oldest nominee. Um, I'm sure he's great, though, obviously. And Chadwick Boseman. He's on TikTok. He knows the youths. It's <laughs> down with the youths. Um, yeah, Chadwick Boseman was just phenomenal in that in that role. Just like completely, you could not take your eyes off him. Just completely electric. Same with Riz Ahmed. Just such a wonderful performance. Again, I'm really... I remember him in like Four Lions in like 2010. And it, again, it's so lovely to see him here now nominated for an Oscar. Like you just feel so proud and it's so well deserved. Um, same with Steven Yeun. Like I want that little clip from the very end of the trailer where he's like, they've just moved in and he's like, does that like half smile and then like breaks out into the like big I just want that like tattooed on my like entire body just like the facial expressions of Steven Yeun like I just love it so much um and I think his performance is incredible here and I can't wait to see what else he's going to get up to in the future um even if he did completely tonally shift The Walking Dead and it took two seasons to get back on track and then we can just pick up Gary Oldman and put him over there <laughs> like I don't like Citizen Kane anyway and then when I read the thing for Mank I was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh god and the only reason I could get through it is because I had it on in the background and I was doing like a million different things so I could look up when Amanda Seyfried came on or I could look up when Tywin Lannister said something funny and I could be like hey Mank and then I could like go back to whatever I was doing and then be like, ooh, some nice music. Back to whatever I was doing. And that's the only way I was able to get through Mank, which, like, yeah, as we've all said, is only here because it's about Hollywood. All right, Mel. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the La La Land of this year. Uh, <laughs> Except I liked La La Land. <laughs> 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 
apparently in the minority here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have much to say about. It. I mean, I love Gary Oldman too. I mean, he's been in some of my favorite movies ever, and will surely make more uh, of my favorite movies before his time on this earth ends. Uh, but yeah, no, no, Mank. Uh, that's that's not that's not going to be one of them. Stephen Yun, uh, I, God, I love him. He reminds me of my own father uh, uh, in in this. So so there there was like an added level there. Just just a guy with a vision uh, and uh, against all odds. And dear God, I I wasn't helping much when he was trying to to reach those <laughs> trying to beat those odds. Uh, so yeah, that so that that resonated uh, with me. Um, I, I, I don't think he's going to take it, though, as much as I love him. I, I think I think it is going to be a posthumous uh, Oscar to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, and I, I will reiterate, I'll say for the third time, uh, yeah, it's not a cheat. It's not a hustle. Chadwick Boseman deserves it. Uh, he's he absolutely deserves to be here uh, uh, for this. I mean, it's that's a that's a powerhouse performance. Um, and uh, that's the scene when he's. He's he's like screaming at God to save mm-hmm. uh, the oh my that's that's the clip for this one. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I loved God. I I loved him. I I absolutely adored him in that, and I miss him uh, dearly. Uh, so I yeah I I think a posthumous Oscar for him is likely. Uh, I as good as Anthony Hopkins is in The Father, I don't think it's going to go to him. There's a little there's a little bit of Captain Phillips in that role, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, movie where you're watching it and, and he's, and he's doing, he's doing a great job all the way through it. And then there's this moment at the end when he just leaps over the finish line, uh, when he's in the, uh, in the room, uh, uh, with, uh, with the nurse, uh, and, and he just, and he just lets it all out. Uh, it's like the, the, I feel like that performance, I won't say it hinges on that moment, but it's like all roads lead to here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, so uh, so not not so much the entire film. Uh, he is he is doing a lot of kind of fun stuff, like his flirting with the uh, caretaker, right? Uh, but but yeah, like like all all that kind of flirting with her, uh, the arguments uh, back and forth. Uh, the guy's like, "How long are you going to be here? How long are you planning on being here?" Like fucking up our lives, uh, just like all all that stuff's really good. The the abuse, uh, he's getting slapped around. That's so hard to watch. Um, I have gone through uh, a a very close family member who are dealing with Alzheimer's twice now, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and he's there. There's a lot of sincerity, so much sincerity in his performance. Uh, just knowing that you're losing control but this kind of this kind of these airs you put on this act of of remaining on top of things or remaining like in control of everything like like oh of course i knew that uh and uh and like uh, yeah i i didn't forget i it's there was a lot of that there was a lot of kind of like damage control that he's doing of his own mental health like when you know it's slipping away and he's aware that it's not quite right but he's just these these little these little tricks that he pulls to to hang on to it, uh, and I, I thought that was that was such a such a great and inspired performance. Uh, but I think I think I think uh, Riz Ahmed uh, is is who I wanted to go to. I, I I would I I would do a poor job 
uh, <laughs> trying to articulate uh, just how moving I thought that performance was. Uh, I, I can't imagine what it would be like. I mean, coming from like with the thing with Anthony Hopkins with Alzheimer's, like I, I understand Alzheimer's, what, what it's like to to go through that. But yeah, uh, Reza Ahmed puts you there. He, he, he puts you in that experience and, and I can't fault him for, or I can't fault the character uh, for, for any of the decisions uh, he makes. I, like, I get it. You know, good, great role. I'm glad he survived Rogue One. Uh, <laughs> after, after that performance, I wasn't sure if we were going to see him again for a while. <laughs> but, but no, good on, good on him for getting out. All right, that takes us to Best Director. Uh, our nominees are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. Uh, and I do want to point out, you know, it's there's always this weird disconnect of when a director gets nominated, but the movie doesn't get nominated for Best Picture, um, and Another Round did not get nominated for Best Picture. It did, however, get nominated for Best International Film, because it, it it's in that category. So even though Vinterberg is kind of the standout just because of that, his film did get nominated for a Best Picture. It just wasn't the Best Picture. Uh, Thomas, we're starting with you. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned another round because it's the one we haven't had much time to talk about. But I, I watched, and it's the only international film, unfortunately, I've watched, but um, it's so stellar. I was so surprised by how good that movie was, particularly mm-hmm. how it's such an interesting, like, dramedy movie that handles alcoholism in a way that's just like, oh, no, this feels 100% real. I've known people who have, like, alcoholic tendencies like this and treat it as, like, it starts so innocently and it goes down a really bad path. But also, it has an ending straight of, like, a drunken 80s comedy, and it works somehow. <laughs> like, literally, you could have had, like, freaking Rodney Dangerfield from Caddyshack come in just like, hey, everybody, and then it would have fit perfectly. It's just like, no, nope, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. I don't know why you're here in like Denmark, but sure. Let's go with that. Um, it's, it is, I, I think a, a stellar movie that I'd recommend to anybody out there. It's, it's so good. Um, but at the same time, yeah, everyone else, um, Fincher, I love in general, but Mank is especially such a step down from other movies that he has been nominated for. That he would have deserved, like, especially I recently rewatched Gone Girl, such a great film. And he did such a phenomenal job with that. And Mank just feels like it's it's so much of like a film nerd movie in a way that you figure I would like this, but it just I was watching the entire time just wishing, why, why am I listening to like a, a season of You Must Remember This, the podcast, or like some other shit <laughs> I would vastly preferred to watching just him wank off. And especially also, it's supposed to look like an old movie, but because of the digital cinematography and stuff, it doesn't look like an old movie at all. Like so many of the tactical nominations it has, just like, no, it, it, this is inauthentic. It's really soured with me even more and more as I thought back about it. But, um, I think uh, Emerald Fennel, phenomenal first turn for a director. I would love to see what else she can do after the, the hype of Promising Young Woman. But I think it really comes down more to Lee Isaac Chung and Chloe Zhao, who Lee Isaac Chung is the one who I hope would win for Minari. I think he did such a great job, especially making a story that on paper would not sound cinematic, look so breathtakingly cinematic, and especially in Arkansas of all places, like have stunning, beautiful shots of Arkansas. Uh, stellar. <laughs> stunning. Um, well done, but uh, at the same time, yeah, I think he did, and it's like I said, such an intimate personal story. And also, uh, this might be uh, uh, dismissing the performance of this young actor, but getting such a precocious performance out of Alan Kim, the young kid from that movie, who yep. steals that movie so wonderfully to the point where I'm like, Jacob Tremblay, watch out, new adorable kid in town. You're you're you're, you're 13 now. You're going through puberty. It's over, pal. It's Alan Kim. Time Just ask Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> 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 oh, true, true. But uh, but no, yeah, I, I think it's such a stellar job. But I think it's probably going to go to close out, and I don't think that's necessarily 
a bad thing for me. I think she did such a phenomenal job, especially of like just shooting so many of the great landscape shots in Nomadland, I think are so stellar. And it helps you believe more of like why we said that Frances McDormand's character, like why would she make some of these turns and why would she like be on the road and not have any of these personal attachments through the direction you see so much of like why she would want to be on the road and embrace like these better parts of America when she's being so destroyed by the actual system that America has turned this country into. I think it's just like a stellar contrast, especially when she compares that to her living situation and all this other stuff. I think she totally would deserve it, but at the same time, if a surprisingly Isaac Chung thing happens, I would not be against it. Okay. Emily. We got two women. Nominated yes, that's right. <laughs> the best director at the same time. This takes the full total of women nominated for best director in the, what, 97 odd years that the Oscars has been going up to seven. Yep. <laughs> seven women in the history of the Oscars. Disgusting. Yep. Um, two at the same time. Booyah. Emerald Fennell needs it. She, I want it to hurt her. I wanted to have it, obviously. Um, I don't feel I need to explain myself anymore. I've talked about it enough. I thought it was beautiful. I've not seen Hannibal Goes on a Bender. I really want to. Um, <laughs> kind of gutted that it's up for like international movie. It's like, come on, don't do a Roma, do a Parasite. Come on, bring it over. What are you, what are you playing at? I'm sure it's great. I don't really. I like Fight Club. I don't really like David Fincher. I'm sorry, David. I don't really like your movies. They're always so long. And Mank is no exception, so pfft, move aside. Um, so it's between the Isaac Chung and Chloe Zhao because Emerald Fennell won't get it because she just won't. And it's not fair because I would really love it if she won and I think it would be so important. Um, but you know what? It's equally as historical if Chloe wins it. We're on first name terms. Um, and she does, as I said before, like I didn't care for Nomadland, but you could tell that the directing and the acting from the lead were great. And it's very Oscar-y and um, it'll be well-deserved and people will be like, ha, 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 yes, good, good, good. And um, yeah, and she's a woman. So, you know, that'll take the whole of that up to two women have won <laughs> Best Director in the 90-odd years that the Oscars has been going. I loved Lee Isaac Chung's direction. Uh, that whole movie was just so perfectly round. You know, it's like Fellowship of the Ring, where it was just like a perfect circle of just like, mm, good, everything's good. So, of course, the direction comes in under that. Um, so, Emerald or Chloe, please. I think it'll go to Chloe. I want it to go to Emerald. All right. Mel? I I really enjoyed another round. Uh I N- Nicole, my writing partner, uh, she and, and my fiance. Well, that's weird how I land with. <laughs> <laughs> that's so I was like just, it. I was just about to send her a <laughs> Facebook message saying, "Dude, uh, you guys okay?" Because <laughs> <laughs> definitely edit that out. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so she she's a huge, huge Mads Mickelson fan. Uh, you know, and he's he's one of my favorite Bond villains. So yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, and he's so he's so great in this. And I, I think I, I think it's a fantastic movie. It's one of those movies where, from the moment the premise uh, reveals itself to you, you just go, "Oh, this won't end well." <laughs> <laughs> I just just I'm just gonna sit back and like that Michael Jackson meme with the popcorn. Let me just watch the wheels <laughs> come completely off this. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, 
that such a such a great job uh, done on that. Um, I don't I don't think uh, Thomas Vinterberg is going to win uh, for that. Sadly, uh, I, I I did thoroughly enjoy it. I thought it was a, a grand outing. Um, but yeah, probably probably will win that best international uh, feature. It's weird to me whenever there's a best international nominee and also at the same time right. a, a best picture nominee. Kind of the same with the animation category, where like you could be nominated for best animated feature and best picture uh, at the same time. Uh, kind of like, well, pick a pick a lane. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't don't think Vanderbilt is going to pull it off uh, in best picture, but definitely for. Uh, for best international, uh, Mank. I do love David Fincher. Been a been a fan of him since Alien Three. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, the director's cut. The director's cut. Not the thing. I didn't love. Uh, <laughs> you mean the cut that's actually somewhat like his? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Huge. Huge fan. Uh, but this this very clearly just felt like uh, like this this isn't for anybody but but me. Uh, like this is just something I want to do, uh, and I, but at the same time, it ended up being the kind of thing Hollywood just eats up because uh, it's it's been said before Hollywood loves nothing more than movies about itself. Uh, so yeah, uh, right, that's right in that wheelhouse. Um, I don't see him winning. I don't see him winning Best Director for for this, uh, and it'd be weird if he did. It, it, yeah, so no, Promising Young Woman. Uh, yeah, that that's so good and and such a great job. But uh, but I, I I also agree that I don't think it's going to go to Emerald Fennell. Uh, not not this time. I I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, what's coming in the future. Uh, she absolutely has my attention. Uh, I will I will sign up for whatever's next. I don't care what it is. Liberace in space. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> we won't be that lucky. They've both been signed up to the Marvel machine already, both oh, of no. them. So. Michael Douglas has his heart set on that, though. We'll, we'll see what comes of that. Uh, I think uh, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down between uh, Chloe Zhao and uh, Lee Isaac Chung. Uh, Chloe Zhao seems kind of like the gimme. Uh, that that seems like uh, like the smart money's on Chloe Zhao, and I think Thomas, you made a great point about uh, just how there's there's this kind of juxtaposition of the system that's crushing you uh, at, as pictured against everything that's not that uh, the, that just kind of like escape uh, into the the wide open, um, and yeah, yeah, and it's and it's beautiful, uh, but I I don't know, I don't know, I don't I don't think I don't think it's gonna be. It, if it, I should say, if it, if it is Chloe, I won't be surprised. But I, I want it to be uh, Minari. I want it to be Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Um, it just it doesn't. Uh, once again, it's it's the 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 approach was different. The 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 kind of hand uh, used in the crafting of that uh, feels dissimilar from from everything else uh, in a way. Uh, and I don't know if that makes sense, but that's yeah. that's that's what I that's what I'd like. I'd I'd like it to go to Minari. Uh, well, I, I, the benefit of being last in the category is you guys have pretty much said everything that I would want to say. Um, you know, I didn't like Manx as much as I do like Fincher. I don't think this is his year. Uh, I didn't care much for Nomadland. Uh, I do think that she's, that Zhao is probably one of the leading contenders, but I didn't like the movie. Um, I would really love to see, uh, Vinterberg take it. 
Uh, I thought another round was an absolutely amazing film. Um, and, you know, as a teacher, again, I, kind of the same, same thing you said, Mel is like, I'm watching it going, well, I'm interested. I know this is going to go bad at some point, <laughs> but I'm interested. Um, but I thought his direction was just really good in building the friendships and the world that they're in. And um, I, I just, I, I really, really thought like I, if he wanted, I would not be disappointed at all all because i think his direction was really good I, I would love for emerald Fennell to win i really would i i think her direction is fantastic but i i'm i'm gonna put i'm gonna put my stake behind uh lee isaac chung for minari i i think even though as i said earlier it did have a, a little bit of starting to to bore me at times uh i i think the the direction the visual style uh, of the picture and the heart, the the emotion of this family was so well done. Um, I, I there, I would love to see almost any of these people walk away with it. There's, 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 as long as David Fincher doesn't take it, there's really no losers first. All right, that brings us to the final category: best picture. The nominees for best picture are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman. Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. And I'm going to ask you guys to pick just two or three movies to talk about rather than go through the entire list because we've already been recording for a long time and I could see us going equally as long just talking about these movies. <laughs> so, Emily, you're starting us off. Um, what do you think and who's going to win? I think Nomadland will take it because of what's been happening so far. I think it will follow that pattern you know I want Promising Young Woman to take it more than anything. And I will be disappointed if anything but Promising Young Woman wins. I'm, like, sticking it in for this one. I need that one and that alone. Like, I won't accept anything else. All right, so I, so I have to ask, how come you will be accepting of someone else winning direction, but you are that this is where you draw the line? Because Best Picture is the biggest, it's the biggest one. It's the one that people know. It's the one that allows more opportunity. It allows more mainstream awareness of the movie and the people behind it. Because if a director wins, like, that's really lovely for them. And, like, people are like, oh, I don't know. People know the movies more than they know anything under the movie. And if the movie wins, then they will go and look what's under the movie and what's in the movie and who's a part of the movie. Whereas all the other little bits, they are just the little bits that make up the big title. Like, this is the this is the big one. This is the one that's controversial. This is the one that makes the headlines. This is the one that goes down in history. Okay, that's, that's a really good point. All right. Uh, Mel? Well, I'll tell you what my fear is. Uh, my, my fear is that it's going to go to make, uh, and, and I don't want that because here's, here's, here's what's wrong with Mank. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. I'm going to carbon date myself and let you know how old I am. Uh, I was in college living in Savannah, Georgia, when midnight, the garden of good and evil came out. Mm. And I remember I was working at a movie theater as a projectionist at that time. I remember that movie played on six of our 10 screens opening week. Oh, it, no, it opened number one in Savannah. There was a huge like, star-studded event. Clint Eastwood was there and 
John Cusack and all everybody else, like Lady Chablis, like all those people were there for the, the premiere of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil in Savannah when it dropped in 1996. It opened like sixth in the United States that week. Nobody cares about, it's, Mank is a movie that's only appealing to people who already know the story of it. It's so insular. It's so just, it's it's like it's almost to the verge of gatekeeping uh, a little bit. Uh, it's just like, I, I we made this movie that's just about us and it's just for us and <laughs> fuck you. And I, I just, I, yeah, I, I really, it was just so up its own ass, but it's probably gonna win. Uh, and I really, I really, I really don't want it to. And maybe someday I'll try again, uh, give it another shot, but <laughs> I'm going to be doing some drinking. Uh, <clears throat> so no, I hope not. I hope it's not Mank. I really love Judas and the Black Messiah. I, I, I want it to be that. I want it to be that so much. And going back to talking about how, you know, these, these themes uh, keep resonating uh, in the current day, uh, and, it, it, and for the same reason as uh, Ma, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, that's a movie about Black people destroying one another for the, the, the approval of, of, of society uh, or, or at least the, the version of society in America where, where, where they want you to be, where they'll allow you to succeed. And that, that's, that says a lot now. It, it says a lot for the time period it was set in, it says a lot for, for the, the current time. Uh, it's unity is the only way to, to move forward as a, as a people, uh, not just black people as all people, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's just about like a, like a guy, a guy tearing down another guy just to get his, uh, and it's, and it's horrible. Uh, so yeah, I think it's really strong for that reason. Travel to Chicago 7, I think there is danger of it winning uh, as well. And that is not the one I would choose. Uh, same for, for Nomadland. I, I don't want to give it to Nomadland. Uh, I, I, I didn't love it. She's, she's great in it, uh, but I, I didn't love it. My money is on Minari. Uh, promising Young Woman I Loved, it deserves to win. It's uh, it's the one I it's the one I want to win. Promising Young Woman is the one I want. I went to the whole list. You told me not to do it, but I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Promising Young Woman is the one I want to win. Uh, best picture. I don't believe it will. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be Minari. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the 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 danger you guys really focused on director for Lee Isaac Chung and and Chloe Zhao for director, and they've most more frequently than not. They they go hand in hand. If best director wins, then their picture wins. They, they they don't split the vote that often. So if our primary contenders for best director are Lee Isaac Chung and Chloe Zhao, then our biggest contenders for best picture are Minari and Nomadland. Obviously, I, I've said I didn't care for Nomadland. I wouldn't have a problem with Minari winning best picture, but I'm going to throw in the split because uh, the director of The Father didn't get nominated. It didn't get a best director nomination. And that's my pick for Best Picture. Uh, I really liked Judas and the Black Messiah, and that would probably be my runner-up. But as far as just pure emotion, and this kind of goes back to the question I asked at the very beginning about how 2020 has molded us. I mean, one of the things we didn't talk about at the beginning of the show is we have two subtitled movies up for Best Picture this year. You know, And, and I think you, you made the comment earlier, Parasite walked so that you know we could get this now. 
But I, I think the father just for me emotionally, the, the isolationism, but also the, the, you know, my parents are getting older and I'm starting to see signs of some of this with some of them. And I, I don't know what it was, but just, uh, I mean, it's Anthony Hopkins. He, he's an amazing performer and he sold me on this is what was going on with him. So I, I, I mean, I'd love, Emily, I'd love to see Promising Young Woman take it. I don't think it's going to happen. Don't get me wrong. Please let me have my kid back. Um, <laughs> but I, my, my pick is the father. All right, Thomas, close us out here. Um, the only two I would have really any issue with winning would be really Trial of Chicago 7 and Mank. If nothing else, because all the other ones at least, I think, bring attention to either uh, issues that I think are really important or just uh, sort of different, just a really different kind of best picture winner that I would be all for. Um, I, I would say, I think Nomadland, I agree, has the most runway, but I would not mind, you know, A Promising Young Woman or Judas and the Black Messiah, The Father, most of these... Uh, but really, I think Minari is the one I would want to win, if nothing else, for just, I, I think it's a, it and No Man Land are both very personal, intimate stories, but I think Minari, it's, it's quite not to, like, be a bit of a downer, but I think it's the more important one to potentially even win right now, just because it's an immigrant family, particularly a Korean immigrant family, and it really just embraces the fact that they're really human people, and why, why would you really, like, they have to go through so much stuff, and considering what's been happening lately, with, quite frankly, in the U.S., with a lot of, like, really awful stuff happening to Asian American families uh, and out there. I, I think Minari is the one that I think would be the more important win. And also, it's just, I think, the best movie out of all those in general. But also, I wouldn't be disappointed if Nomadland won, which I think it will. All right. Well, that is our picks in the major categories, as well as a little bit of commentary in there. Uh, if you agree or disagree with us, you can let us know. We are all set up on all sorts of social media. Uh, so quickly promote your, your own respective projects and tell people where they can find you. Uh, Thomas. Um, I, uh, am at not the who's Tommy on Twitter. That's my main Twitter feed, but also I have my podcast double edge, double bill, which is at D E D B pod on Twitter and Facebook. Every week we come to the table with a good and a bad movie. We randomly select at the end of our previous, uh, episode that is around a certain topic. I think this week we'll be doing our surprise Oscar nominees episode where we'll be talking about both, uh, the hustle and the film hustle and flow and toys. So just a random ass double feature of two movies you wouldn't suspect would be nominated for Oscars. Uh, but in the past, we have had Rafe and Emily on as guests in lovely episodes. I'd love to have Mel on if he would have us, you know. Yay! <laughs> Mel, you do my show first. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're at DEDB Pod and down on the SO Network and wherever you can download podcasts. Double Edge, Double Bill. All right, Emily. Why This Film Podcast looks back on the movies of your childhood. You can find us across all social media platforms and across all podcasting platforms. I'm always on the lookout for guests. Mel, so come on over. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, look for the pink. Lots of pink. All right, Mel. I am on Twitter as Aunt Tangent1985. Um I don't ever post anything on Twitter, so that doesn't really do you a whole lot of good to follow me there. Uh, every once in a while, I'll say something funny. Um, but uh, mostly, uh, I'm on YouTube. Tanta1985 uh, is my YouTube channel, uh, where me, my fiance and writing partner, Nicole, <laughs> we, do, uh, we do deep dives on uh, pretty much just whatever we want to talk about uh, film-wise. Uh, I think the last one we put out was The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which was my favorite film of 2019 and didn't get any nominations or mm -hmm. attention at all, but it's a five-star film. It's fantastic. 
All right, and you can find this show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter, Have Not Seen This podcast on Facebook, and of course you can find my personal stuff on Town Hess on Twitter and Letterboxd. That's T-A-L-N-H-E-S-S. We will see you next week, and as always, be kind to each other.